Welcome back, it's Talking Bollocks for March! Yes, it's time to march with the bollocks into, away from March actually, into April. It's end of March, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. Or of course, if you're listening to this in future time, Mr. Internet Person or Mrs. Internet Person, this is whenever you choose to listen to it. In fact, you people right now, regular listeners, you could be listening to this at any time. You might listen to it as soon as it comes out. You might listen to it over the Easter holidays. You might listen to it, I don't know, weeks, months down the line. Hello from months in the past, if you're listening. So there you go. Um, Hello, my name is Howard H. Smith. Uh, I am also the lead singer of uh, UK thrash band Acid Rain, rain acidrain.co.uk. All these socials, you know, Twitter, at acidrainukac. Instagram, Acid Rain UKAC, you can find as I also do stand-up comedy, KeithPlatt.co.uk, Keith Platt on Twitter. Um, I also do this here podcast, like, which you've been listening to so far, right? Yeah, I do this podcast. Hello, Talking Bollocks, subscribe everywhere. If you have not already subscribed, please do. Get a podcast app on your fo- on your phone, on your tablet, on your desktop, does anybody have those anymore? On your laptop and Get yourself subscribed. And in case you have limited data, make sure that you download the podcast. You don't have to stream it. Download it using Wi-Fi onto your phone, your laptop, your tablet, your desktop. Does anyone have have those anymore? And then you're you're laughing. You're absolutely laughing. And of course, for those of you who who have an iPhone um, or a Mac, you can use shit tunes. Oh, sorry. iTunes... Um, and it's there. And, you know, if you're stopping by and you happen to have a spare couple of minutes, why not do a review of Talking Bollocks for your old mate, Howard? Hey, hello, it's me over here. Why not do me a little review? Hey, say, God, what a cock. Don't listen to this. Don't put that. Um, um, also on YouTube as well, The um, I put the podcast up on YouTube every... Um, uh, every, well, every month. I don't know why I'm umming and ahhing. Every month, because I do monthly podcasts. Um, and, uh, and what's a real, what's a real fucker? Microsoft, the twats. So it's not just Apple. You know, it's not just Apple I hate. Microsoft, the twats. Um, as you, I'm coming to you live and direct on the same old laptop, but a totally new hard drive. The old hard drive couldn't be saved. That had to go. Um, so I've got a new laptop and, um, no, I haven't got a new laptop. I've got a new hard drive. And in between my, uh, last laptop going and getting this one up and running, uh, Microsoft have decided to do away with, um, Windows Movie Maker which was a great little program, and I was able to create little movies for um, YouTube that took about, oh, let me see, uh, probably about 40 minutes, and job done. Now, Windows have decided to replace the Windows Movie Maker with nothing. That's right, fuck all. So now I've got another program searched all around the internet, and to be able to create basically a movie which is a picture of the flaming mic that you know so well for talking bollocks, and then sticking the MP3 on it, um, it now takes on average about an hour and a half to make those those clips that were taking me 40, 40 minutes to make. So thank you very much for that, um, Microsoft, you absolute cunts. What's the point in having the programme? First cunt of the podcast. Oh, second. Um, what's the point in having a programme? Discontinuing it. Clearly, you know, loads of people have been using it and it's been around, available for years and replacing it with nothing. What's really frustrating is you can still get like links to where you can down to where you can download the program, and it just doesn't download. You can you can even download the installer, but Microsoft have wiped 
the programme. You cannot get it anymore, unless someone's got it on a fucking CD. And really? Who who does that anymore? If you have got... A, in fact, I, I totally didn't intend to spend the first five minutes of the podcast right going on about this, but if you happen to have a disc with Microsoft Movie Maker on it, please do let me know. Um, please do post me the disc and I'll post it back. I'd love to get that little programme back. It's a cracker. But anyway, it's not like I haven't got anything. I'm just annoyed that Microsoft uh, got rid of it without replacing it with anything. And I've had to replace it with something that um, is, is all well and good, but it just takes a lot longer. Uh, and the files are a lot bigger once they're made as well, which is the whole thing's a pain in the ass. But there you go. So all I've done is managed to moan so far, isn't it? This whole intro to the podcast... All I've done is moan. Well, I'm sorry about that. Hello, how are you? How's things? You all right? How's work? Is it, is, is it going all right? How's finding work? Is that going okay? Getting your bills paid all right? It's, it's stressful. I know, you know, it's, I'm, since going self-employed. Oh, yeah, since going self-employed 10 months ago. Well, I didn't go 10 months ago. I, I got made redundant 10 months ago. But but you know what I mean. Same thing, innit? Um so, yeah, look, I, I, you know, I, I feel your drift. For those of you out there with more than one job, yep, definitely. That's what I'm doing these days. You know, will talk for food, as I often say. <laughs> um, and, and funnily enough, coming up in, uh, in just over a couple of weeks, I'll be doing the um, I'll be doing my spoken word up in the at the uh, at audio in Glasgow, Glasgow audio. So looking forward to doing that. You can get uh, still get tickets for that. Um, so please do and get some tickets for that if you want. If you don't, don't. And if you're listening to this in the future, you missed it, and it was fucking brilliant. Um, I am gonna, I'm, I am gonna record some of that. I don't know how much of it. I'm, I mean, if, if I use any, if I do use any of it, it will be my the lovely Patreon bollockers who get it. That's right. If you want to contribute to this podcast, if you want to get loads of awesome extra bits um, to do with the podcast, to do with Acid Rain. Also, uh, you know, sneak peeks behind the scenes of the new Acid Rain album that's coming your way. Um, and, uh, and and also you get the chance to ask questions of, um, of bands who I'm going to interview because I put up uh, who I'm going to interview before I go and you can you know you can send me questions and I will ask your questions and that all appears on the extra podcast so there you go go to um, uh, patreon.com forward slash Howard H Smith patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash Howard H Smith that's patreon.com forward slash Howard H Smith patreon.com forward slash Howard H Smith you know it makes sense so there we go what a this is a fairly shit intro so far isn't it and it's it is still kind of the intro seven minutes in Jesus Christ I'm so full of myself today what else is coming? Well, I'll tell you what. Okay, if we're on the still full of myself stuff, let's continue. Um, managed to squeeze in a performance at Hammerfest that wasn't even on the cards last time we spoke. But um, uh, we, we, there was a, a, a band pulled out and um, the kind people of Hammerfest who remembered that we weren't able to make it two years ago said, hey, how'd you fancy doing it? And uh, as previously stated, we've got no shows booked for this year. Um, but it seemed right to do that one because it was, you know, it was fucking... 
something we didn't manage to do before. So we played it. A few people gave a shit for saying, thought you said you weren't doing any gigs this year. I said, well, so we were off the road for the foreseeable future. And we still are. We haven't got any gigs booked this year. That one came out of nowhere. We haven't got any others booked. Uh, I'll tell you what we have been doing, chatting to producers, a couple of producers, um, interested, well, more than a couple, uh, interested in um, producing the new Acid Rain album, which is very flattering. Um, so I've been having a chat with them, um, finishing writing as well, because obviously it's not all written. Um, eight songs done. Uh, ideally, we want ten. So we're very, very close. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 basically how things are with me. So, yeah, I've used the first um, I've used the first eight and a half minutes of this podcast to basically moan about stuff and then big myself up and plug other stuff that I do. I mean, really, if you haven't listened to this podcast before, this is it. Completely uncontrolled, unrestrained ego, you know, from the lovable cunt himself. <laughs> I can't talk about myself in the third person. That is just so wanky. But, uh, but yeah, lovable cunt. I, I would just say that's that's probably my best description, hopefully. Or as I, I still like, or self-aware egomaniac. Um, that's another one that is in a iTunes review, which still makes me chuckle every time I see it. So, um, I suppose what we should do is, well, what I should do, I keep saying we as well, that's weird. So, he, so, so far I've managed to speak about myself in the first person and speak about myself as multiple uh, personal, personalities, people. How about this? How about I, Howard, talk with you about what's been going on in the world of metal since we last spoke? Well... First up, top of my list was um, this was actually dead funny because I saw this I saw this um, I saw this story uh, break on Instagram and um, I, I yeah I, I I don't know how I genuinely don't know how because I don't follow him and Acid Rain oh I think Acid Rain might follow him because we we did a load of stupid follows when we first opened the account. As you do, you know, porn stars and all sorts. And then later on, as the account matures, you see these people's tweets or Instagrams. You think, Jesus, were we following them? And then you, like, remember that you followed them years ago. Um, so anyway, what I'm getting to is I saw the story of Tommy Lee and his son fighting. I actually saw that as it was breaking on Instagram. For those of you that don't know, uh, Tommy Lee posted a picture that he later deleted on Instagram of a busted, of him with a busted lip saying... Parents, it doesn't matter what you do. I've given my son everything, and um, and he does this. Thanks a lot, Brandon. And I just, I was like open mouth. Why the fuck would you conduct your family business over Instagram? I mean, really, why would you do that? Why would why would you do your dirty washing in pub- public? Well, if you're Tommy Lee, presumably it's any excuse to keep yourself in the public eye. Um, and not only that, but when you see that picture of Tommy Lee with a busted lip, surely I'm not the only one who's thinking, nice one, Brandon. Fucking hell. I've been it. I, I would love to have done that. I would pay a lot of money to do. I'd pay a lot of money to punch your dad in the face. But you, you have done it for us. Wow. Those of us who've always wanted to do that. Don't worry. Brandon's got our backs. Brandon Lee punched him in the face. And then it went on, the, the Patreon, I, I, like I said, I saw this just, it wasn't up long. There was literally, there was only about 10 or 15 comments on the picture on Instagram, which then went on to be loads and loads. And then it got deleted. And then it got into the mainstream um, entertainment press and everything else. 
and I, I don't know where I, yeah, I don't know where the story's gone now because ultimately I don't really care. It's just it happened to just land in my lap, and I just thought, wow, that is. I, I, why would you do that? Why? Why? Honestly, I'm sure there must be parents listening to this thinking, fucking hell, how embarrassing is that? What a knob. Yeah, there you go. Tommy Lee, ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, um, amazing news. Tool are officially in the studio recording the new album. That's right. So, possibly only about another two years to go before anything sees the light of day. But they are apparently, definitely in the studio definitely recording so although how that works i don't know because maynard seems to be out there's a there's a perfect circle album coming out he's gonna have to tour that so i, I don't know it all seems a bit all seems a bit weird and just dist- well it's I, I guess we're pretty much most of us past caring by now the whole tool thing has dragged on so fucking long it's hard to really believe that we're even discussing another album i'm not sure if i can be bothered i mean i'm I'm a tool fan but i've got to be honest i'm an earlier tool fan the more prog they get the less interested i've got and a lot of the last album you know there's prog as i've said this before there's prog and there's falling asleep on the job and a lot of the last tool album for me just really really dragged and dragged and dragged and it was just like yeah you've now been playing that same riff for four and a half minutes now, I get that you might like the groove, but to be honest, I've got to be honest, I'm I'm bored. I mean, bored. Bored now. Can we have something else? Um, uh, oh, also, since the last podcast, um, speaking of Tool, I don't know why I made the connection, uh, Lost in Vegas, the Lost in Vegas YouTube channel in the... <laughs> How you living? Shout out to our free thinkers. Um, they... Uh, <laughs> They, uh, they, I, I sent them a tweet with the the clip of me doing an impression of them, um, and they actually they actually played it and um, and tweeted me back and said it was hilarious and thanks for the support and stuff, which was really cool. Love to get them to uh, review an Acid Rain song, but let's face it, that ain't gonna happen. I can't see uh, can't see that ever happening. But um, you know, be nice if they did. You know, free thinkers, shout out to the free thinkers. Hmm? Really? I'm George. He's Ryan. If you like the pre, if you like, oh, I can't do the impression because if they do, it's like, uh, if you, if you like the video, please remember to like it. If you haven't subscribed, please. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. I'm George. He's Ryan. We out. I don't know. I'm way too obsessed with those guys. I really am. How are you living? <laughs> Shout out to our free thinkers. I, I just like saying that shit. I don't know why. I don't do that in my everyday life. I don't walk into a shop and go like, I say, can I help you, sir? How are you living? Shout out to our free thinkers. Although maybe I should. Maybe I should start doing shit like that. Take my phone with me. Take my phone around with me. Recording shit like that and just putting it on the podcast. Um, t- tell me if you think that is a good idea. Uh, just just doing stupid th- shit like that. And uh, yeah, and I don't know. Expanding the comedy side of the podcast. Incorporating... Or just going up to people in the street and asking them for their best, you know, their best death metal growl or or shit like that. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that is something. Maybe that is. That, maybe there's something in it there. Genuinely, people, those of you that 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 you know like to contribute, to, sorry, like to interact with the show and everything else, let me know. Either let me know um, on Patreon if you're a Patreon follower, or uh, or let me know on Twitter um, at Talking Bollocks. Um, bollocks ends uh, CKZ, not a CKS, and not Talking Bollocks. Um, as pronounced by Chuck and Godless, R.I.P. the Metal Podcast. Um, 
But um, yeah, so yeah, just let me know. All right. Um, cool. Fucking hell. I don't know where that came from. Um, so next up, Wendy Dio. Uh, yeah, Wendy Dio. Um, uh, despite how brilliantly successful apparently the uh, the UK and European tour of the Dio hologram was, they've decided to go back and do a load of redesigning. Yeah. Like, come on. You had a brilliant... If it was that brilliantly successful, yeah, and you had lots of great feedback, why are you back at the drawing board working on the fucking thing? And, you know, Wendy Dio was very, very keen to say, oh, I had people coming up to me say, oh, how wonderful it was. They didn't get a chance to see Ronnie or that it was great to see Ronnie again. No, they weren't seeing Ronnie. They didn't get a chance to see Ronnie. They were watching a bunch of light that at the right angle looks a bit like Ronnie used to. Yeah. And the weird thing is she said, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> she said, I'm not totally happy with it. His, his eyes and eyebrow, his eyes and eye, I nearly said eyebrows. I don't know what that is. His eyes and eyebrows still aren't quite right. And I thought, it's taken you, taking that on tour across UK and Europe to realise that the hologram of your dead husband doesn't quite look like your dead husband. Jesus fucking Christ! Is it any wonder no, none of us want to go and see it? If his own goddamn wife doesn't think it looks much like him, who the fuck else is going to think it looks like him? And, and I just... I, I'm going to... I am. I'm going to fucking lose it about that Dio hologram again. But it's just... How fucking creepy does that sound? Just the fact that Wendy Dio is talking about going back to redesigning the hologram of her dead husband's face. Let me just say that again, okay? If you're at work listening to this and you thought, hang on, he said something there, I wasn't quite paying attention, right? Yes, she's talking about redesigning the hologram of her dead husband's face. What the fuck? That is so fucked up. That is so fucked up in so many ways that the uh, the cable fell out of my fucking microphone. Again, I know. You know it. I know it. I, don't, I wonder if there's something I can do here that will actually... Do you know what? I think I've just figured out such an easy way of, of that of stopping that happening. I really have. I've just figured out how to stop that happening. Oh, what an idiot. It's the same principle as what you do with a cabled mic. But I don't use a cabled mic. I use a wireless mic. So you see, that's that. Anyway, excuse What the fuck? Yeah redesigning the hologram of your dead husband's face it's just there's something about that phrase as well there's something about isn't there there's redesigning the hologram of your dead husband husband's face redesigning the hologram of your dead husband's face it's just i don't know it sounds like it's almost like an album title i could you remember old john peel for those of you who remember john peel so that was uh that was spastic blurder and redesigning the hologram of your dead husband's face, available on uh, available on SST Records out of the states. Now it's time for some half man, half biscuit, Duke Prague awake it. Away you go, lads. Uh, that didn't sound like um, <laughs> that didn't actually sound like John Peel at all because um, yeah, he didn't sound like that. That was that was shit. I've just taken a shit on John Peel's memory. I do apologise. Um, okay, well, look, I've got a, there's a there's a few other things to talk about, but we are and and believe you me, uh, yes. <laughs> oh no, I've got to tell you this story right just before I go into the interview. Um, <coughs> excuse me. 
I went to see him. Um, I went to see my osteopath the day before Hammerfest, uh, and she was like, just putting me in line a bit. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to come back on Monday and be all fucked up again. And she was like, okay, well, off you go, go and do what you do. So um, I went and um, I went, did, did the gig, came back, and she was. I was back there on a Monday and she was just putting me in line and like, you know, click, clicking things and stuff like that. And I said, oh, by the way, um, I've got um, my, my neck muscles are a bit sore as well. And she was like, oh, thanks for telling me that. And she was feeling, she goes, oh, yeah, now what have you been doing? I said, oh, I was doing a, I was doing a bit of headbanging. She said, oh, right. Um, what were you banging it against? <laughs> right? Which is not the question, not a question you expect when if you tell somebody you've been headbanging, like... You know, you want to go, oh, what gig? Oh, where did you go? Oh, who did you see? Oh, not <laughs> against what? <laughs> it's this vision of, what do you think we do? People go to people go to heavy metal gigs and then just line up, <laughs> line up facing the wall. And as soon as the band comes on, start nutting the wall. <laughs> but she's a little, she, and when I say little, I mean at least half a foot shorter than me. She's a little Polish woman. I mean, she's got great grasp. Her English is fantastic. A lot better than my Polish. Um, but she, she's, um, so she says, she says this and I'm like, no, 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 no. I say, and I explain what headbanging is. And she just look, looks at me and just goes, oh, right. Well, I'd, I'd call that more vigorous nodding. <laughs> vigorous nodding. Okay. I know. I know. sounds like an album. Sounds like a band, whatever. Um, <laughs> that's what you do. If you're listening to this, you no longer headbang. You vigorously nod. I told um, I, I told Paul, our guitarist, this news, saying next time we do a show, you've you've got to you've got to say to the audience, I don't want to see some serious vigorous nodding in this song, vigorous nodding. <laughs> Just the idea of somebody thinking, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So it's um, it is on to the interview. But you know what? Before I do the interview. Um, I am actually going to play um, Sir, Sir Macacocker for you because that's who the interview is with and it's an absolute cracker. Um, it's about one hour and 48 minutes, which sounds like a long time, but hopefully it's going to fly by in the company um, of me and the chaps. It, it really was just, it was great fun. Great, great fun. Um, and and time just flew by. There's something in there for everybody, believe you and me, whether you're a fan of Akakoka, whether you're a fan of the old days, you're going to hear some stories, because um, uh, it turns out Jason and David are, 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 are Acid Rain fans, died in the wool, Acid Rain fans, came and saw us supporting Flotsam and Jetsam back at the, in the Astoria and back in 88. It's just, anyway, some really cool stories in there. But beforehand, I thought... For those of you who aren't aware of um, uh, Akakoka, you might want to hear a bit. So um, I'm going to play something from the more recent album, um, which for some fucking reason, um, I I completely... It's one of those albums where I, I've, I've downloaded it, um, I've been listening to it, I've got songs from it. Do you think I can fucking remember the title? Not a chance. No. Not a bloody chance. So anyway, look, I'll tell you the title of the album after I stick the... Uh, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be professional for once. Well, nearly. Renaissance in Extremis. There you go. That is the... Uh, that's the album title. Yes, use the... Uh, use the... Um, the pause button there. Really not very professional at all, really, if you think about it. OK, so anyway, it is now time for some... Uh, for some Akakoka before the interview. And this is one chapter closing... For another to begin. 
pretty damn cool stuff, right? Um, I, yeah, I, it just, there's a lot to take in. Um, a very original band and um, more importantly, um, very, very cool people. Um, really nice guys. I sat down with Jason Mendonca, David Gray and Paul Scanlon. Uh, um, uh, I listened to a couple of uh, songs whilst in their rehearsal room um, and we were, straight away we were like nattering away and it was like right come on let's let's get to the pub and let's get this recorded because I don't want to miss any of this stuff because there's some really good stuff so um, so off we went to the pub the Green Man Bedfont West London anybody shout out to West London Reverend yeah um, the West London massive right up there bruv um, blah 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 and um, anyway uh, we sat down um, around the table with some beers, and we talked about pretty much everything, as you're going to hear. So, this is myself, Jason, David and Paul having a chat just a few days ago. We're, uh, we're on. Right, well, first of all, cheers. Cheers, Charles. Cheers, It's me. Cheers. Yeah, nice to, well, nice to meet you again. again. <laughs> nice to meet you again. Um, so, um, I'm, um, uh, I'm in a pub in, in West London. With, um, would you mind introducing yourself? Paul, Paul Scanlon. Paul Scanlon. David Gray. And Jason Mendonca. Um, otherwise known as uh, Three Fifths of Apricocky. Um, and we've uh, we've just um, we've just come from uh, rehearsal. Um, I say we. I mean, I wasn't rehearsing, obviously. Um, and um, uh, yeah, I tried to stop you talking about the old days, so, <laughs> so we could so we could get it recorded. So um, so we met in 1987, apparently. Mm. Yeah. So um, yeah, t- t- tell us about that. Because it was the it was the, the week of thrash at the Astoria. Yeah, um, Clarendon was first. I think that's when we first saw Acid Rain. Uh, it was with Sabbath. Oh right, yeah, it was with Savage, which was our second ever gig, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, then the, the, the week at the Astoria, I think that was eighty eight, wasn't it? I think. Yes, yeah, it would be, yeah. And it was Fortsman Jetson, yeah, Testament and Exodus. Um, we didn't go to Testament. We um, we could only afford to go to two of the three gigs. Yeah. But pocket money wouldn't stretch that far yeah so we elected to see Flotsam and Jetsam because we'd never seen them and the, the, the doomsday for the no no um, no place for disgrace had just come out yeah it was it was that was yeah. hot off the press wasn't it yeah it was yeah, yeah. and it was also um, oh they do they, I think it was the bass players first gigs we did bass solo right um, Troy Gregory that's it blimey you got a good yeah. memory yeah. so yeah. You, you came on stage at the Flotsam show in support main support yes and if I recollect correctly and David correct me if I'm wrong the first thing that you said was please can we have no stage diving yeah it might have been because the security had said something to you I suspect and of course you lot kicked off and in the first song (laughs) Dave gave me a boost up over the security yeah. And the first thing I did was, was dive off the stage. At which point, Missed the audience completely. Yeah. Stacked myself, went, launched myself so far, I went over the mosh pit. <laughs> stacked myself head first into the floor. And then went, As you do. went up for a, for a second time and uh, the security bloke grabbed me around the neck and dragged me down the back stairs of the Astoria, gave me a bit of a slap and threw me out into the street. And this was after about, you know, you'd only been on stage about three minutes. Yeah. And uh, so we didn't get to see Flotsam and Jetsam. So I was sat on the steps of the Astoria feeling a bit 
worse for wear. <laughs> yeah. And a bit miserable thinking I'm going to spend the rest of the evening on my Jack Jones on Charing Cross Road. And then out wanders David through the same door after being also ejected by the security for giving me a boost. Forcibly ejected. Uh, it was another classic yeah. acid rain gig. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like that sounds like a pretty typical um a pretty, I think it was I think the reason we said no stage time it was because it was if you remember there was there was a dodgy period in the Astoria. Yeah. Wasn't there? I mean they really they they, yeah. they learned in the end. Well they threw tear gas once, didn't they? But yeah, they just well yeah it was just like yeah, it was just weird, wasn't it? It was just they were they were kind of fighting with it. They didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah, but yeah. the, the um, Clarendon was uh, yeah, exact opposite. It, it was because the, there was the the whole uh, sort of um, uh, like kind of brotherhood code of people were diving. As soon as you went down, everyone would just grab you and, and make sure yeah. you were up. Yeah, there were, there were the maniacs would do the swallow dives of the PA, of the PA, and everyone would kind of just pause to make sure that someone could catch them. And it was all sort of good, clean fun. It was almost yeah. like a sort of gymnastic session at school. But uh, as soon as you went to a different venue, it was a very different attitude. Because I think the Clarendon was more of a, an underground, a cooler kind of place to be. Definitely. Well, uh, yeah. The Astoria I think, in 88, yeah. that was not cool. Well, I, think, I think what the difference is that you, the, the Clarendon was the old club foot, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. That's so, right. so, so there was a, there was a punk heritage there. So it was it was kind of like yeah, and, and also like you know treat the venue like it's your home, kind of like you know put your feet up on on the chairs and everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the the story was still a case of you know you've got to be on your best behaviour in theater. here. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. Well, it was called the story of theatre, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, and I think that was and that was the big clash because the thing is that we were playing metal, which belonged in the Astoria, but behaving like punks, which belonged in the Clarendon. And it was kind of like you know, it's just. But, but also, yeah, it's important to remember as well that the whole uh, atmosphere of uh, of that shows at the time was that when you went to the Clarendon, we saw Death Angel there, didn't we? Yes, well. we did, and we supported uh, we supported Death Angel oh, at the right, Clarendon so, as well. There so you go. That was probably you guys were there But it was the kind of uh, atmosphere, whereas in uh, you know Death Angel would go and get a hamburger and then come through the audience and just hang out until they played their show. Yeah. Whereas at the Astoria, you didn't. Yes, there was definitely an air of like we're the band, you're the audience, uh, a very different atmosphere. But of course, you know, I think uh, probably you all agree as well that when we got into that kind of music, it was very anti-image. Yeah, we're all big time. Yeah, yeah. We're all hanging out together. We all have a drink together yeah. after the show. And then I think possibly then '88 at uh, those those shows were the first time where it started to to deviate from that. And then yeah. the other thing, slightly more rock starish. The, the other thing that I, I remember about that time, which I think was really really special, was as you were saying, David, to, to carry on from your point about it being kind of like anti-image and so on and so forth. What was so exciting was that you know, hardcore wasn't really being hadn't really been called hardcore yet, and there was crossover, and there was thrash. And there was, you know, then there was the kind of the, the old old guard of, of the punk lot, like exploited and whatnot, and English dogs who were sort of teetering into that kind of realm as well. And no one, there was no sort of sectarianism in the scene. Do you see what I mean? It was yeah. okay to be into all of that. Yeah. yeah. And that was kind of cool. That was normal. We, you know? we we always had punks at our shows. Right. Which is always. Yeah. And and that was. And I don't know. Nowadays it seems to be you know very much more sort of regimented and there's the hardcore kids and there's the you know the death metal kids and the deathcore kids and, and yeah. it's, it's a bit I don't know it's a bit pants really yeah but to be fair there, there, there was also 
there was also those like, oh, this was okay, that was okay, but we did all hate glam. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That's true. So, so yeah, yeah. yeah, you, yeah, can, yeah you can get yeah, misty yeah. eyed looking back on it. Yeah. It, was, it was still like, you know. Yeah, that's wrong. Uh, well, no, t- even to this day, I'd say no. Um, but um, yeah, it was. It, I mean, there were there were great times, and uh, you, so you must have seen our first three gigs in 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 London. You must have seen about our first yeah. four gigs because we did the two Clarendon shows yeah. and then the, the Flotsam show. There you go. And in fact, we would have played with Death Angel at the Astoria not long after that as well. Right. We did a run of shows at the Astoria because because Death Angel came back but didn't do the Clarendon, did the Astoria. So they did the Clarendon first show. Yep. And then they came back. I think it was Flor- Frolic Through the Park. I think that was... Right. That. And then they came back to the Astoria. Well, and we were on that one as well. The Clarendon show, they were playing uh, songs from the second album, but, but we it didn't wasn't know out yet. Yeah, we it wasn't know. out yet. So they were yeah. playing the stuff that we knew, and yeah. then they'd be like, oh, let's play some new tracks. And, you know, you it's just like, a pain. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they... Yeah, it was weird, really. Um, Andy Gallion was on his school holiday. Yes, he was on school vacation for the tour. I think he was fourteen, fifteen. I, I remember, I remember what being side stage watching him when we did um, at, at Clarendon, and just being absolutely amazed. Yeah, what, a, what a drummer! Brilliant, and it was just what a band. Yeah, Brilliant absolutely, band. and they're still, you know, I think a lot of their um, more modern kind of material is pretty good tunes. Yeah, the, the fact that they. Um, they don't really seem to care about what anyone thinks about music or anything. They just kind of yeah. do their own thing. And I think when you listen to the uh, uh, more modern sort of production values and things like that, you know, it sounds different. But there's still that kind of core when you listen to music. They don't really care. They're kind of stuck in the '80s in a good way. That they just kind of just like, yeah, this is what we do. To change it for anyone, we don't really care, you know. Yeah, I carry on doing the same kind of thing. Well, I think, I think, um, I think Act Three is one of the greatest metal albums of all time. Never mind like thrash albums or anything like that. It's so diverse. Yeah. In fact, the weird thing is, it's way more diverse than anything that they do now. Yeah. You know, it's 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 yeah. it's just out there. It's absolutely out there. I mean, our, our drummer is um, is younger than the rest of us, and um, as in under thirty. Uh, and the rest of us are in our 40s and we played him at three recently and he was just like just absolutely blown away couldn't, you know it's just just couldn't believe it yeah. and it was just a yeah absolutely epic different epic. bunch of guys though wasn't it you know, yeah yeah I guess um, yeah and then they yeah, they, they became the organisation after Marcos Aguera left and yeah, and, yeah. so uh, I did, oh, great days eh? great days great band Definitely. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I mean, it was dead funny because I, I hadn't seen them for years, and I did an interview for the podcast for them. Um, I can't remember which album it was on, and I came. I walked into the dressing room, and Mark was looking at me, and it was just like, sort of, you know, yeah, like you know, you know, you know, you know, like a dog looks at you, and it sort of just turns its head slightly. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was like it was looking at me, like sort of inquisitively, like. Do I know you? And I was like, Yeah, you do. And he was like, Right, don't tell me. I was like, Right, I'm not going to tell you then. And he was just trying to figure it out. And I was like, I've got, I'm going to have to tell you. I'm going to have to tell you. But um, yeah, they're, they're great guys, great guys. And um, but they look like I said that those those times where you just have thrash bands playing the Astoria all the time, and you know, usually supported by us. Yeah, house <laughs> um, band. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So so anyway, we started this. How did we how did we meet? Because we were gonna we were gonna we were gonna have this discussion in the rehearsal room, and the, 
and uh, and it's the right stop. No, I want to I want to get this on. I want to get this recorded. There was. I'm not sure where it was. I gave you an acid rain T-shirt. Apparently, well, we, we, I mean, we were fans. We were fans. We bought Moshkinstein when it came out. Yeah, because that's what that's what you did. Yeah. And uh, there were some other bands as well that we bought their records just because we could. Perhaps bands that weren't very good. And not, uh, not as good. Yeah, I think we yeah. might have been talking about one of those back in the uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, <laughs> Mentioning no names. But it was still just a, a case of, uh, you know, we were supporting the music that we loved and that was a part of it, wasn't it? It was more of a kind of community thing. Yeah. Um, well, also, suddenly there's suddenly been... Um, <laughs> British bands playing that kind of music is kind of like, oh right, okay, so you, you know, we, we might not have to wait forever to see these guys, yeah. which of course you didn't. Yeah. You would have actually seen us before anything was released, because that gig with Sabbath, we did, we had nothing released. Well, yeah, yeah, we we uh, definitely had the EP. That was the first thing was the EP, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, Moshinson. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, because that gig with that gig with Sabbath was. Um, I'd I'd been like pen friends with Andy Sneap for a while. That was history. And that was the first come here. That's the first time we'd met. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. first time me and him met. And um, yeah, the rest, as they say, is history. But yeah. um, so so you so was it that gig where was it that gig where I we bumped into you two after having been thrown out? Then was it the I'm Flotsam sure, gig? I'm not sure. No, uh, the Flotsam yeah. was when we got. Thrown out. I'm not sure when it was that we would have bumped into you and you had some merch with you and I remember you giving Jason a t-shirt because we were explaining that we were at the show and as soon as it kicked off <laughs> we got kicked out and, and I think you were just, just sort of just generally being you know sort of supportive and saying oh it's well, really really bad that you missed the entire show just because of one kind of incident and um, yeah well I was really conscious of things like that I mean you know because we, we were we were young as well you know what I mean I mean it's like the album came out when we were 18 you know wow. that first gig wow. that first gig supporting Sabbath we would have been 17 yeah. so so if so you're about the same age yeah, yeah. exactly mm. and also still going to shows and still getting thrown out of shows <laughs> yeah. you know I got thrown out of Among the Living the Among the Living tour at Sheffield City Hall I got thrown out I, I remember and I, rem- I remember really lamely getting thrown out through the fire doors and I turned around and went I'm in a band we're going to come back here you're going to lose your job having been thrown out for, for stage diving but so so we st- so I was still getting you know st- still experiencing the same things you were but also having I remember doing our first tour and these and um, and a couple of a couple of, a couple of kids came up and said um They'd got to the venue, and they were they were sixteen. Oh, your headline tour, you mean? No, no, no. We we supported um, Nuclear Assault. Oh yeah, oh. yeah. Um, and it, it was in Preston, and um, I think they were they were they were might maybe been fifteen, and it was like sixteen eight, sixteen minimum age entry. Yeah. So they weren't going to be able to get in, and I was like. Right. Okay. So we so we got we got them in the venue and they got to watch sound check and you know and gave them plectrums and we introduced them to nuclear assault and everything else. The, the main reason being, it's great because you really, you hear those stories now and you think, wow, I was such a nice guy. Um, <laughs> but but the point is, at the time, you are genuinely gutted for them because that's probably happened to me. Yeah. Like eighteen yeah. months ago. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's well, like it's not what that not the that classic far story above. that makes me think of. Um, I can't remember what the venue was. Do you remember when we went down to um, the earache show, which was Napalm Death, 
uh, bolt thrower, carcass, oh, and Morbid Angel was, it was first. So, it, was, it was the Grind Crusher tour. That was it. It was the first time Morbid Angel had come over. And we, we didn't was, have any money. We at were all. super excited, but we didn't have any money. We didn't have any money, right? And this dickhead that we knew, right, vaguely, this geezer we knew, reckoned that he could get us on the guest list, and we thought, wow. We can turn up as guests and get in for free. And we, yeah, we didn't have any money. We barely had the fucking train fare to get there. So we <laughs> jumped over the boundary thing at the station. Probably. Yeah. So, so fare evaded our way into London. Right. And then... Uh, yeah, we, yeah which, which wasn't a capital offence back in right. the day, it's was it? No, probably, yeah. And yeah. then... Show an old ticket. Yeah. Or just barge through. Yeah, just run through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so we got there, and we sort of uh, marched up to the uh, to the door and said, uh, "Yeah, uh, we're on the guest list." And the fellow went, "No, you're not." I'm like, Are you sure? He, no, you're not. And so I started pleading with the security to let us in. So please let us in. We have to see Morbid Angel. <laughs> and uh, by complete fluke, and this is absolutely true. At that point, somebody stuck their head right down the stairs and said, we need a couple of bodies to do some washing up. And the security went, these two fellas will do it. Yeah. Wow. True story. True. And, we, and we got let into the Kilburn National Ballroom and we washed up all of the band's dinner. Yeah. We, could, we heard Bolt Thrower go on stage, didn't we, while we were washing while up. While we were washing up. And then they gave us a, a steak dinner, right? Wow. And when we finished eating, they let us through into the VIP, and we sat next to Shane Embury, and we watched uh, Carcass, Morbid Carcass, and Morbid Carcass, Angel. Morbid Angel. Uh, was it Napalm Death headlining? I think they were. Yeah, that's were. awesome. But were. it was Symphony of Sickness awesome. Carcass, right. which is uh, that's the only album of theirs that I like, to be honest. Uh, and they were great. And um, Morbid Angel, Morbid Angel we'd, never, we'd never seen them play. Yeah. Because we, you know, back in there, we were, we were tape traders, like I'm sure you were as well. Yeah, so absolutely. I just yeah. had a tape of Altars of Madness, and it was like a second generation one, wasn't it? It wasn't even very So good. it was basically a lot of hiss. Yeah. So we knew the kind of, you know, the shape of the songs and whatever. So when we went there and, and saw them do it, it was like, you know, so taking this kind of shit sound and whatever and then actually playing it all. It and brilliant. they were really on the money as oh, well. It was brilliant. I'll never forget, Dave Vincent had this boom mic stand and it was pointed at his chest so that when he actually played, he sort of l- lurched over, sort of down onto the mic with his bass and it just looked so savage. It was so evil. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, this is what this is what it means to be a death metal band. This is a satanic band. I fucking love this. Right. This is everything I, as a teenage Jason wants to see and hear. Yeah. It's fucking brilliant. I didn't even, I didn't know anything about the lineup or anything. I, I assumed they had a vocalist because I thought the vocals were quite uh, quite distinctive and quite on. Yeah. So it sounded like a proper, like this, like this must be somebody's job as opposed to that and exactly. something else. Exactly. And yeah. so when we saw them and it was just... Which is the opposite. And never the kind of like, you know, um, just a couple of dudes, kind of Hispanic dudes and whatever, and then Dave Vincent, and, that was, and that's not what I thought. That wasn't at all how I saw Morbid Angel. The, do you know what? This is this is brilliant because what this is reminding me of is is the days of going to see a band and they walk on stage and going, oh, that's what they look like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which never happens anymore, you know. Except oh, no. I, I recently I recently took a, um, a a mate of mine from another podcast came over. Um, from Ireland, he's from Texas. He came over, he lives in Ireland, and we came over for us to go and see the Beyond 
up in Derby doing a doing a, a reformation gig. Right. And um, and we, we stood in the, we stood in the venue, and it was it was weird because we both had totally opposite experiences. Like I was I was a you know play they supported Acid Rain. I supported them in my band after Acid Rain. The Beyond. And, yes. I've never even heard of them. Ah, right, okay. Well, d- drummer went on to be and is still in therapy. He's been in therapy for 20 years. And okay. Uh, the band, obviously. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you came for that. Yeah, it's really, it's really, it's really, really bizarre. I'm on a bit of a Beyond trip at the moment, like at a three hour special on him last, uh, last month. Um, and we were stood in the crowd waiting to go on, waiting for them. And he goes, and he turns to me and he goes, I haven't got a clue what these guys look like. And I was like, really? Because he said that, like, you know, he was just, he got the first album somehow in the States and um, and was a huge fan and nobody else was. And um, and we went, to, and he was just stood there and he was going like, I've, I haven't got a clue what these guys look like. And, I was, and it just really straight away, it just took me back. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Don't forget to those as well. days where you would go but like, the Metal Forces you know? days, like for me as well, on the same thing, you would see the band and, and you know, you'd be associated with that, that kind of thing. Let's like, for instance, um, uh, Sepultura or whatever you'd see the pictures of them and it's schizophrenia you know what it sounded like but you know who's who yes yeah. oh yeah. yeah you didn't know what they looked like it was like I don't know who the vocalist is and I actually thought I didn't know that Max Cavalera was who he is in the pictures because he didn't look like the front man to me yeah, that's he right. Kind yeah, of yeah, looked like the drummer or whatever that's you know? it yeah because do you know what I had the exact same thing with the crumb suckers I had the same thing as you I saw a I picture of the crumb suckers like and I was just like <laughs> <laughs> It's blasphemy. Um, <laughs> um, I, was I know just, what they sound like. I just don't know yeah, what they look like. yeah, but I was just like, right. Well, he's clearly the singer. Yeah. He stood near the front, yeah. and he's got the nicest got, hair. Got the hair. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it wasn't him. And I was like, but the things I was, it, it's almost oh. like through me. just got really. But it is. It's just like, well, no, surely it's not him. And Voivod, yeah. you know, when I first saw Voivod. Uh, uh, the, in, the, in the pictures you keep re- reading about this band and you know, it looked really like unusual and um, I couldn't find anyone that actually knew what they sounded like so you know I keep seeing them in Metal Forces and all that kind of stuff and think I really want to check out this band but um, you look at them and you think there's no one obvious who the vocalist is who's, who's who yeah, yeah, what's yeah, going yeah. on here you know like just yeah. some dudes didn't, didn't you get Raw and War and Pain first. No, Dimension Hatros. Was, was it Hatros you got first? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really. <laughs> I was just, I was just saying to Paul, this is Portishead playing in the it background. Is, yeah, the gig yeah. I did last night, the comedy gig I did last night, was, was in, two miles from, from Portishead. Portishead. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's bizarre. Um, but um, yeah, it, well, it, well, again, it's it's more, it's more. God, this this is like podcast for old cunts, isn't it? You oh, know? Yeah. <laughs> this really is like oh, the good old days when you didn't know who the fuck anyone was, <laughs> <laughs> and you could you could wash up to get into a gig those days. And we did. You didn't have to hold, you didn't have to hand over your DNA and a fucking credit card to get everywhere. You know. I know. And there's that whole thing as well about seeing a band's logo. Do you remember that? I remember yeah. um, you'd go to a gig and you'd see someone with a name of a band on their on their jacket. Yes. And yeah, like, the logo looks amazing. Who the fuck is this? Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember once seeing. Uh, we were a bit, a little bit later. I seeing entombed with this kind of gothic kind of script of the original logo on someone's jacket, and thinking, 
wow, I've got to check out Entombed. I wonder what they sound like. Yeah. Like dreadful. I'm so <laughs> glad I didn't buy that album. But just based on, just based on the logo. The logo. Yeah. yeah. Wow, this has got to be some good stuff. You know? <laughs> but, but you do. It was, you saw bands wearing T-shirts. It's like, I mean, m- most, I pe- most people in Britain, their first experience of DRI or Suicidal Tendencies yeah. was a T-shirt or a baseball cap worn yeah. by Anthrax or someone else. Yes. And yeah. you just went Absolutely. like... Absolutely. Misfits. I, yeah, yeah, it's, it's the same. I, yeah. I bought the first Suicidal album purely on the basis of the of the amount of bands who I'd seen. Yeah, when and so so I remember getting it. It's it like it arrived. Yeah, it arrived from Shade. Be- before you know, you had any import. idea what it sounded like, not a clue. Now I tell you what, here's a not leap. A, here's a, here's <laughs> explain that to the kids of today. Well, here's a leap. Here's a leap of faith for you. Talking of shades, because there were shades in St Anne's Court in Soho. Yeah, and there were shades yes. in Nottingham. Right, eighty-seven. I went up with some school friends for the Monsters of Rock Festival and I went up the day before on my own on the National Express coach and I had to collect the tickets from Shades, right? And I think I had about a 20 quid budget for the whole weekend, right? And I went into Shades and I'd never been in the Nottingham um, branch, so I thought, well, while I'm here, I'll have a nose around the racks. Mm. And I'm going fingering through the records and I find the first Bathory album. Right, okay. Now I pull this cover out, this album sleeve and it's got the goat on the front yeah. the logo yeah. yeah and then i flipped it over and it has the white pentacle and it just said side darkness and side evil that's what you need and as yeah. soon as i saw that yeah. i said i don't know what yeah. this is or what it sounds like but this is coming home with me yeah uh, and i yeah. blew 25 percent of my weekend budget <laughs> On a record that I then had to carry around the weekend <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the pouring rain. Yeah, and, and I tell still you what, didn't know what it. You wouldn't still, find out what it like, what it sounded like. Until you got, got home. home yeah. yeah, but God, <laughs> I got home and I put that needle into that groove and it changed my fucking life. I was like that. It changed possessed. my life. Possessed was the one for Based me. Based on just like a, a vibe. Yeah. Of I'm gonna. But the logo yeah. for Possessed. Yeah. That means <gasps> any band that could have a logo like Possessed to me that yeah. was just like again. That changed my life at that point. You know, I loved heavy metal. We were listening to Slayer and, and um, you know, all those kind of early Metallica. Bands. Yeah, and then when I heard Possessed, I saw the cover, and, and they were like, you don't need to put anything on the cover. It's like, bro, just put the name. Yeah, Possessed. <laughs> With a huge churches. inverted cross. Yeah. I saw that, and I just thought, this is it. And yeah, just, this and, is it. And then turning it over, and it wasn't until... I sort of grew up a bit that I realised that the flames around the band are sort of like bits cut out from magazines and sort of glued in because it looks like they're sort of you know posing on their amps and stuff and like they're on fire and shit but actually it's not it's some really sort of old photo montage kind of technique <laughs> it's pathetic but I looked at that and just thought I want to be in this band yeah this is the yeah. band I want to be in yeah I remember That's going. I remember going out and down, down to Music for Nations with the with the first Acid Rain demo, and it was just me, me and Gaz went down there with it. Yeah, and we we went in and we. I remember where they, were they, they like, then? Where was they MFM were? Then? It was it was in Carnaby Street, right? It was in Carnaby Street, proper old school. Yeah. So, um, and and we went we went in there, and I remember being sat on the sofa, and Gaz turning to me and go and, and going, just think, possessed might have sat on this sofa. <laughs> But, and that was, Who has been here? Bananarama. But it was, it was just like such a buzz to oh, even think mate. that we, yeah, might, we, know, yeah. we might be sat on the same sofa that That's my possessed, you know, that possessed. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Amazing. That is so and, cool. and, and for me, that, those, those albums, the possessed albums, still no one's topped those for me. 
for me, because I'm an old git, when I listen to that, I just hear the, the whole sort of sincerity of music that we used to play at that time. You know, and I, I think you as well, you know, like, um, I think it's safe to say that, that the people that were changing music and that were saying this is our style of heavy metal, the sincerity that was involved with that, I yeah. don't get it anymore. You know, it's you can be sincere about what you're playing and how much you believe in it, but there was something, there was something going on in heavy metal at that time. Yeah. Well, I think it's, it's almost... It, it, I think, A, you're right, and B, um, we, we, we've, we've had these various movements that have changed things. We've had, we've had thrash, death metal, grunge, new metal. Black metal. Um, black metal, how could I possibly leave that out? Um, Slam. And, uh, yeah. What was that? Um, oh yeah, and oh, let's not forget funk metal for a short while oh there as well. God, yeah. but, no, let's do that. But the point I'm making is that the last great movement of those was new metal, which is a long time ago. Yeah, that's over is a that decade slip, ago. Slip not though. That's new metal. Well, is it? I, I'm, I'm, yeah. I kind of, I don't, I don't personally slip, don't categorise Slipknot as new metal. What's new metal? D- define corn, corn, and corn started the. Uh, it's, it's it's more about the groove than it is about the riff. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, when yeah. The, the you know the age of the riff kind of started ebbing away, and uh, I think. I I, rem- I remember a lot of, a lot of my friends a lot of my metal friends saying like well no because I, I I like I actually liked Corn but yeah. um but I, a lot of my metal friends saying like well no there's no there's not enough musicality to it yeah do you know what I mean there's and I was like Jesus this is like going back People twenty years to autopsy because <laughs> <laughs> not musical oh, oh, oh the irony <laughs> but, but this is but this, but this is this is like me this was like me playing Killer All to my older heavy metal peers and them going. Uh, no, it's no, no, no. That's that's too fucking uh, yeah. no. There's, it's it's not, not musical enough. Yeah. And thinking all these years later, and like you know, people my own age are going like, no, because there's there's no riffs. There's no there's no riffs in there. There's no solos. I'm not, and it's like, yeah, it's just it's kind of different. They're just going somewhere different. Well, yeah, well, different. I don't bloody like it. And um, but it's been it's been a long time since we had a serious. We do a serious innovation. We do a coal. Yeah. You know, we do a pandemic. But, but then again, the, the shape of music. Uh, for consumers, you know, it's very different now because, uh, just my opinion, but the the MySpace generation changed it because if you had a couple of photographs of four blokes in a room and put, you know, something you recorded in your bedroom online, you were a band. Yeah. You know, and then we've gone into Facebook and the rest of it, and there are lots of bands that really, it's not really a band, is it? It's just you know something that you do at the weekends or whatever. And uh, now anyone can record anything any time can't they you know so yeah. we've, we've changed the shape of music and, and how you uh, purchase music because everything now is online you, you don't need to buy an album to know what it sounds like it's literally just gone to YouTube and listen to 30 seconds and it's yeah. like no I'm not going to bother whereas before if you bought an album you're still kind of helping the machine you know sort of move aren't you you know you're part of the, the process well um, I, t- I totally agree because I, I, again you know if you if if you as we all did back in the day if you bought a CD you talked earlier about like you know an album that was you know 25% of your weekend budget yeah um, if, <laughs> I think what you when you've got that CD or that album like I did with Suicidal Tendencies you know it was an import you've spent a lot of money on it 
you are going to play it until you like it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Unless, unless you really don't, and then you're going to like try and swap it with somebody. But the point is that you're like, you might play it once and go, mm, oh, I'm not sure. But you're going to play it a good, good, good few times, and you're really going to pay attention to it. Yeah. Because you've laid money out on it, as opposed to listen to 15, 20 seconds ago. Nah, nah. <laughs> you know, you know. not wishing to dwell too much on the nostalgia thing, as I fear we already have. But it, it, <laughs> it was. It I'll was, steer the fucking interview. It was, it was, <laughs> <laughs> get, getting an album. Another twenty minutes of the past coming up. You look like your suicidal tendencies album coming as an import. That's an event in your life. You know, that's something you remember. Yeah. You know, and when in, you know, back to the Metal Forces days again. We we used to have, I used to have to go to my local record shop on my bike and order these records because of course they wouldn't be they wouldn't have them you know yeah. and then I'd sort of, sort of stop by on my way home from school or whatever and, and are they in yet and, and the day that the, 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 the lass in there went yeah they're in I'd go yes yeah, you know, yeah. it's a real moment to get them home and like play them and look at the covers and read the lyrics me, and, well me and my best friend yeah me brilliant. and my best friend had um, were were waiting for the second violence to come out album to come out wow. pressing the masses we've been waiting and waiting and waiting and literally ringing Red Rhino in York every week going is it in yet every Monday not is you it again yet? is it yeah <laughs> basically basically yeah and um, we were we were we were on our way back from a night out in Newcastle and we drive it and we called in at services and there was a payphone. And I and I rang the um, I rang Red Rhino because I knew their telephone number off off my heart. <laughs> and I rang him from a call box uh, at a service station on the A1 and said, "Look, you know, is it in yet?" And he go, "Yeah, it's arrived. Got him here." And we went, "Right, we're on our way because we're on the A1 anyway. We can go to your. We're on our way." So I, I put the phone down. The two of us wow. ran. We ran to my mate's car. Ran. We got in the car. We pegged it out. I mean, you know. We, we, we ran to the car, we got in the car, we drove off right onto the motorway, got pulled over on the motorway by the police who'd been in the service station, and we'd seen them see us run to the car, and we were in the car going, I bet, we look, I bet we look really suspicious, don't we? We got pulled over on the A1, and they were like, right boys, what's the rush? And I uh, do you realise violence is pressing the masses? Have you ever met you know, violence? Uh, no, no, I never oh, so did. You, I met Rob Flynn. I met Rob Flynn and yeah. he actually was so so flaky and I was really shocked um, so he's a really nice bloke I met no, briefly he, he was fine I saw him at the Kerrang Awards and I was uh, I, um, I was with a, a lass who was a big uh, Machine Head fan right. and I said to Alan I said look um young lady I'm with really likes your band can I just trouble you just to come and say hello it really you know she'd love it and, uh, and he did, and it was really good of him. And I said, oh, I really like violence back in the day. You know, I'm an old git, you know, and I remember the yeah. first album. Yeah, it was fantastic, you know, great, um, you know, great album. And he was like, oh, yeah. Oh, really? I said, uh, yeah. And he said, well, uh, okay then. He said, if you're such a fan, tell me some of the sometimes. I said, <laughs> I thought, that's not what I expected him to say. That was, yeah. that was a real kind of. It was like, well, phobophobia, calling the coroner, serial killer, yeah. whatever, yeah. And, uh, and I thought, that's not what I expected. He was, he was cool, but it was, that's not what I expected him to say. I, I thought, yeah, I but I, I, think, I think you might have got him in that, in that period where he was still trying to shake off violence, and it was like, no, this, this, is, this is the thing. Do you know what I mean? Because. Because of course, since did a, um, I don't know if you've seen it on YouTube. They um, he got up and they did uh, they did a few violent songs at the um, uh, Killian 
on demand the uh, Sean Killian um, benefit uh, benefit yeah. gig. Yes, yeah, I've not, I've not, I've not yeah. seen it, but no. I was aware of the show. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, you might have got him in one of those like odd phases, you know, but not as odd as the new album. But there you go. <laughs> so anyway. Um, you probably want to get a refill, I would imagine. I'd love one. Should have bought a refill. Uh, no, I'm all right, mate. I, I, I have a half if you don't mind. Is it on the band card? It is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've got lost band code to scan and the band finance. Yeah, 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 but there's always got to be there's always got to be somebody in the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, yeah, who looks after the thing? What's it called again? Money. Yeah, yeah. yeah he is, he is, he is, he is good responsible one. He is good with money. Unlike yeah. me. <laughs> Paul, can I have some sticks? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Almost, please, Uncle Paul. Uh, just a half, please. Thank you. Um, Paul, do you want to get some crisps or some nuts? Yeah. Top man, thanks, buddy. God, this is getting more rock and roll by the minute, isn't it? We're so, um, we're so uh, and some, oh, sorry, and some heroin and chicks. <laughs> <laughs> and some <laughs> <pork> <laughs> <specials. laughs> yeah, yeah, can, yeah. can I get a skinny latte? Yeah. <laughs> so, so we've 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 gone from yeah, like you guys meeting your thrash heroes, i.e., me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike Suss, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah that's, but you've. Um, uh, but then you you know you you've, you've now drifted to the darker side and you're going to like morbid, morbid angel and carcass yeah and, which yeah. is towards it and that quite clearly kind of steered you musically definitely you know and influence influence so so kind of thrash was what were you traditional into trad metal at that point or did yeah. you was thrash you, I, so, I, I was so much so much really I mean I, I, I Iron Maiden very early on was something for me yeah but and I, I still listen to that sort of Paul Diano stuff and still feel the, the sort that of, special know, feeling yeah the kind of energy of that I still yeah I still get it I must admit I don't really listen to the sort of Dickinson Maiden at all really. but, but you see that was my, my well my, I'll, my, I'll tell Bruce that my, 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 my yeah, inroad I met him as well and I was because he's so sort of uh, move. He's so move that I had a few Cordiano quips. I thought if he starts rinsing us, then I'm going to pull out a few of those. Well, I, I'd go so far as um, I, I, my experience with Bruce is the man's a lot of cunt. Um, <laughs> um, Very good. But, but I tend not to, you know, mince my words. The thing, well, yeah, it's just yeah. Any road met him. It's absolutely horrible. But so, anyway. so my 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 inroad from uh, was, yeah. was from when I was ten. Well, Motorhead, somebody gave me a copy of um, ah. No Slip to Hammersmith. And uh, and then the very first record that I bought with my own money, the very first album that I bought with my own money was Number of the Beast. Right, okay. So I came in from a sort of Nurbohum kind of angle because I was on a mission then. And the, there were some older kids at school who had sort of longish hair. I used to sort of hang out and chat with them and they would benevolently pass tapes my way of things like Black Sabbath Volume 4. And immediately I became a massive... Aussie era Sabbath fan, and right. then and then Heaven and Hell to this day, I still think is, you know, if aliens came to Earth, and I had to encapsulate in a nutshell what heavy metal is, I would give them that album, Neon Nights with Dio. It's just yeah, for me, it's I'm, ultimate. I'm, I must admit, I, I'm you know, one band to have two iconic vocalists is amazing. Yeah, yeah. but I, I I can't. There's 
you know, one day I prefer the Dio era. One day I prefer Ozzy era. You know, you, you, like go, you go, you go, because you get, you go, Heaven and Hell, you go, yeah, but Sabotage. And yeah, it's like, I, yeah, okay, fair I, enough. I, I, I like it all. But yeah, yeah. In, in, in summary, yeah, I came from a more traditional heavy metal background. Right. And then when, when the thrash thing started happening and the crossover thing, you know, our, our little band of school friends, you know, started getting into that. And I, you know, I heard, um, Phantom Lord by Metallica was one of the first sort of fast tracks that I heard which if you listen to it now it's not very fast at all but at the time it was you know banging yeah and then um, then when I hooked up with Dave when we started playing we started sharing records and whatever um, yeah it was just a constant voyage from then to find stuff that was more and more extreme you know the Teutonic thrash thing was, was really, really appealing because it, the American stuff always seemed to be a bit more polished and a bit more sort of proficient. And, and over in Germany, they were just trying to play as fast as possible. Yeah. Know, and uh, and you know, with varying degrees of success. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that was that was it, really. We were sort of mission, really. And I remember that you gave me a C90 cassette of uh, leprosy on wow. one side wow. and wow. the fear on the other. <laughs> oh, there wow. Yeah. And... It ran out before the end of the album. The album was actually longer than the side of the, of the tape. Forty-five minutes. And yeah, we yeah, did yeah. you out of your royalties. I well, yeah. <laughs> getting them back now. <laughs> Another pint, please. <laughs> that was a great album. Really good album. Well, yeah, I, I met. Um, I did an interview with Fish from Marillion recently, and I mentioned that I had a. I, met, I men- mentioned that I'd, I'd had a, a copy of Brief Encounter. Which was which uh, on input, but it was clipped, had a hole in it, and he and it, and and when they were clipped, it meant that um, they didn't have to pay import duty on them because they were considered to be damaged. And literally, oh. literally, you'd have somebody from the record company sat there no. just with a hole puncher punching no. a hole in the corner that's of records. That's mental. To yeah, to mean they were damaged, so they could be shipped without import tax. That's really interesting. Yeah, and he was like. And he was like, "Hey, you fucking, you owe me money." Yeah, yeah. Do you remember them now? You know, you, you get though. You would occasionally come across yeah. a record, yeah. have like You're a hole punch corner in it, or all the corner cut off. Yeah, and you just think, yeah. it's cheap. I don't care. Obviously, it's damaged, so I'm getting it cheaper. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't yeah. care. But invariably, yeah, it was it was the it was the labels damaging stuff on on purpose, purpose. to to knock it out. No you know. Idea. So That's they could avoid, is. yeah, avoid paying royalties on it. Fucking ridiculous. Bastards. That's amazing, though. That, that that was that was your, um, yeah, leprosy and the fear. Wow. What a tape! Same time. What a tape! It was kind of. It must have been the same time. Like 88, 89? Uh Yeah, that's eight, 89 Is the fear? Yeah, yeah, and and, and yeah, eighty nine is. Um, Which is a great record. Oh, thank you very much. No, it's thank a you. great record. I mean, I I think it stands up today as. Uh, you know a piece of work from that time absolutely um, oh great thank you no I really think so I, I, I don't know um, was it splendid Paul thank you different people in the band after that like, uh, yeah Obnoxious was um, a, di- uh, a different lineup. we swapped uh, two members out a different and, um, sort of creative yeah form. well uh, the weird thing is that I, I still think you know for me you know, it's always the same in it but you know when you're in the band it's different to everything but for me that was yeah obnoxious is where we actually found our sound as opposed to we were we were kind of we were still kind of diddling about on the first two albums and kind of like experimenting whereas it sort of it came to fruition and really gelled on the third album which it's weird because I mean I, very few people who are interested in rain that actually made it through all three albums mm. that actually made that journey 
and especially the third album being slightly different to the first two you know um, less punky uh, less doomy um, kind of but uh, but again it was I, I personally felt sort of more more coherent I'm just trying to keep it away from that I was that. just going to say that yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah just getting some crisps in yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, no, well, that's that's amazing. That was your uh, in- introduction to it. What about so, what? Sorry, what? Which record had uh, the Blondie cover on? Hanging on telephone. Um, it was never on. It was released as a single. There you go. It was released as a single. Yeah. But um, we released it on the Christmas uh, Christmas single, nineteen eighty nine, mm-hmm. and uh, it said, "Have an obnoxious New Year." Which, uh, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. bit of marketing there. Some people actually noticed that a few years later. Thank you very much, Paul. And um, um, but so 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 when did when did you go from we're massive fans of this to let's do this? I know we we were playing. We were doing it already. Yeah, we we were always playing since really? '87. Oh yeah, that's we how had, we hooked up. We had a four track uh, like audio cassette that goes straight into the four track. Fostex. Um, yeah, and we said P's and M's, didn't we? And we yeah. just sort of oh, the old Fostex, yeah. It sort of bounced down the track, so it'd just be the two of us. Yes, yeah. we couldn't find anyone else that really connected on the same level as us, that had the same uh, kind of intentions, you know. Um, same interests. So we used to record really crude sort of songs that we'd get together ourselves, and then we would meet other people and... And we would kind of jam, and, and for about six months we'd try and get something together that wouldn't work. And then it wasn't until 1990 when we met Steve Wood, wasn't it? That things really, um, again, we started. I think you know, for us, we we developed the um, the sort of the core identity, which I think we still have, to be quite honest. And that's just that um, you know we've we've got a very uh, diverse kind of musical taste and we always wanted to in- incorporate that in our songs we were never yeah. just this is what it's all about uh, and a lot of the people early on when we do demo tapes and things would say oh no I-, I like all of this but I don't like the indie riffs that you bring into it and you think what indie riffs yeah and they're like oh yeah it's okay but until you stop turning into goths three minutes in it's rubbish just like then we right. started to, to appeal to people that had the same sort of interest in music that we had and then you kind of ah oh, right see now there's people that have more eclectic broad yeah, views yeah about music and then you kind of think right this is where it's happening um, we were never really into just sounding like I mean I love the side, but we would never write a song that was just attack all the way through very rarely there would usually be something that would have a different shape or a different sort of texture we've never ever borrowed any riffs and gears oh no, no. no. good heavens no. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, that was just the thing it, it, it took a while to develop our own thing but I say attack all the time after a while it's just boring you've well, got to have light and shade you've got to have us, that's, dynamics that's and not extreme because you know people will say oh this is really extreme music you think it's not because you get used to the fact that they're playing at 360 bpm every song all all album that's not extreme is it because you're becoming used to what your washes over you you have to then change what you're doing and how you're doing it to therefore retain the extremity 
But uh, in 1990, there were very, very few bands that were actually singing like clean vocals and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the Morbid Angel thing happened for us, when we first heard that, they were one of the first bands that we recognised that were using blast beats in a traditional song sense because up until then it all been like repulsion where you were either all the way through spastic blur yeah or not bloody hell there's a name yeah but that we really kind of we took that on board and we thought well you know what well we can have singing clean kind of vocals and we can have blast beats and we can have like skank thrash stuff as well that's just that's what we want to hear yeah let's just do that and still, this is what, 30 years on, we're still doing that. You know? <laughs> still growing up and we never will. No. Yeah. I, started, I met Steve Wood on a bus between Uxbridge and West Straighton, and I started talking to him because he was wearing a Slayer Root of All Evil t-shirt. I went, hey, mate, do you like Slayer? And he went, yeah. But that, how, how many, I mean, I, you know, just to interject, we'll carry on, we'll yeah. carry on, on this yeah. bus journey, but um, how many yeah. uh, um, marriages exist? because of things like that you know how many you know how many bands are forming because back in those days where you didn't have so much access to information yeah you would see somebody in a if you saw somebody in a Slayer shirt you'd go up and talk to them because oh, yeah. that's probably never going to happen again right <laughs> at that time not, not in my it's just, yeah yeah exactly you're just like well wow, someone else somebody else who's in on this yeah yeah, yeah exactly so yeah. we've instantly it's like this guy could be a complete dick but we've got something in common, and we and, and you know you you, you want to kind of share it. Yeah. yeah, it was at that time I think that it, it's different now. But um, when we were uh, growing up and when we were heavy metal fans, you know you had to have hair, you had to have long hair, you yeah. had to have a biker jacket, you had to look the uniform. Hot. Yeah, and then when you were walking through, uh, you know Felton High Street or whatever, and you see someone else that looks like you. You're at the very least, you kind of give them a kind of a big up, don't you? You're like, hey, you know, say if wearing a, you know, uh, possessed t shirt or whatever it is, and you'd be like, oh, you know them too. That was, that was mm. something kind of special, you know? I remember walking, um, I did an interview in Harrogate a couple of years ago for the local paper, and um, I had an acid rain shirt on, as I, as I do a lot, you know, because you've got to. Rem- Repping the brand, repping the band, repping the brand, repping the band, you know. And I was walking down Harrogate High Street, and um, there was a bloke and a bloke and a woman coming the other way. A bloke had an Iron Maiden T-shirt on, <laughs> and they were and they were walking past. And I just saw this bloke clock my T-shirt, and he turns to his girlfriend and he goes, "Good band." <laughs> How lovely! And I thought, I'll take that. <laughs> Do you know? I'll, I'll, I'll take. It. But yeah, it, it, exactly. It was so rare, though, wasn't it? It's like because the thing is, if you saw somebody coming your way like a Slayer T-shirt or something like that, you would think straight away, "Well, I don't recognise this person." I thought I knew everybody who had a Slayer shirt in this town. Do you know what I mean? And then it's like, "What? What? There's somebody outside of my circle of friends who's into Slayer." Because you do, but it was so, you know, so small that you would think, "Well, you know, we're the only ones here that know this." So you so you you ended up having a conversation on the bus. And, and by the at the end of that bus journey, which wasn't very long at all, I'd ascertained that not only did he, he like Slayer, but he had a guitar and was learning to play it. And uh, that was sort of common interest enough to say to Dave, "We should get this bloke down and have a jam." Yeah, and uh, thus uh, Salem Orchid was born, really. 
Yeah. Salem Orchid. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So we were in like Battle Forces and things like that, weren't we? And you know the demo section. Of, yeah. Of, oh, I know. Um, no, by then it was Thrash and Burn. That's right. Well, Thrash the kid, and our Burn. previous band, previous incarnation was in Battle Forces, wasn't it? Because it kind of. So we were too changed, changed, didn't we? Too enthusiastic. So, so Thrash and Burn was the thing at that time. Yeah. That is a lovely way to be put down, though, isn't it? Oh, Too enthusiastic. We, we thought, yeah, <laughs> like, like, like there is yeah, such a thing. That for a you know? Yeah. No, only, a ger- only a journalist could write that as a criticism. You know what I mean? Too far. I was going, like, hey, have you seen this? We're too enthusiastic. What, do, you control, awesome. do you remember recipients of death? Oh, mate. Ooh. I don't think I do, no. What? No. Ah, oh, you haven't lived. <laughs> when I saw the review, the demo review of Recipients of Death, and it said, these guys are playing too fast for their own good, I went out and just like, right, I need that. That's what I want. Right, so we were talking about violence. I remember reading in Metal Forces a review of a violence gig, and whoever wrote it said, violence stalk the stage like uncaged animals, right? And in my imagination, I thought, if ever I get to play on the stage, that's how I want I'm going to stalk the stage like, like an uncaged animal. animal. Yeah. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. And recipients of death really did sound like that, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we can't really play this fast, but we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> I respect that. Numbskull. Yeah. Do you remember Numbskull? No. Do you remember Reactor? Yes. Yeah? Mm. Yeah. Check out, mm. um, check out, um, what was it called? It was ritually abused. abused. <laughs> check out ritually abused by Numbskull. <laughs> Numbskull with a B, as I remember. Or maybe it's just N-U-M Skull. But yeah, great up. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so, so you, um, so you get, so you get him down. You get him down to rehearsals. Yeah, yeah. And, and we had some feasibly. Could he? Could he play? I mean, yeah, he was, he was yeah. learning to play. Yeah, but the thing is, could Dave, he play well enough? Well, yeah, mm-hmm. and the thing that was Dave, and he was a quick learner. And as Dave alluded to, Steve was one of these oddballs like us that. He he liked music, you know. So right. when he started to hear sort of like left field stuff, you know, because uh, that was the other thing, wasn't it? That people people have records that you didn't have, and you'd have records that people didn't have, and then you shared those records. Yeah, yeah. you know. Slowly, we, his mate bought slowly. We, we rock when it came out, and it, that was a real moment in in time for me. It's just yeah. the heaviest thing I'd ever heard ever. And uh, you know, Dave had some Celtic Frost records. I had possessed records, and you know, so we listen to everything but Steve was was up for the Paradise Lost influence and the Killing Joke the Killing Joke influence wow. and the, the MD, early MDB influence as well we were influenced by very early MDB and um, he was up for the crack of just sort of mashing it all up and uh, seeing what came out the other end so yeah he was in some, uh, some people you would, you would meet and they're really into you know the really full on madness you know uh, of, of the Death Battle Mover, but and we always loved that. But we did still really like Killing Joke and those other kind of bands that were not necessarily very cool to be into, you know. Well, certainly not if you were into metal, no. Yeah, but um, that that was always really part of the bigger picture for us. And um, at that stage, it wasn't cool. I think nowadays, no one really cares. And I think there, you know, we we tend to appeal to people that do like Killing Joke as well as yeah. Dear Side or whatever. Um, but, but, the, but, but the other thing is it's like you know we've always been like real rush enthusiasts mm. and then you know Mr Scanlon here you know it's one of the bands that you know ties us together you know that we're all huge rush, rush enthusiasts and have been since we were kids you know what I mean right so and there's a band that has never been afraid to sort of 
experiment with texture and light and shade and and indeed like whole revisions in their in their output and their style mm. stylistic complete stylistic uh, revisions and sort of uncool as well desperately I mean? uncool yeah it's the, yeah, sort of the nerdy thing that you know we always really share doesn't it you know it's like <laughs> we were really into suffocation all three of us were into suffocation but actually we really like rush quite a lot as well <laughs> right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just don't tell anyone we wouldn't yeah it wouldn't necessarily tell everyone that you know back then nowadays it's cool you can just do what you want but yeah it's different now isn't it yeah paul how did we meet you reminded me of this story the other day um, the lady owen arms <gasps> the lady owen arms the sister pub of the sir george roby ah yeah. with the infamous light bulb on the ceiling that would light up if you played too loud <laughs> and then cut the power to, to the pa <laughs> <laughs> No, at the Lady Owen. They had a fucking light bulb in the middle of the, like a yellow or an orange light bulb. And if you crank the amps too much, it would sort of glow. And then if, if it went on bright for long enough, it would turn the, turn the power off. Bloody wasn't. Do you remember when they killed the PA? We were playing a show. Do you remember that? In, uh, in, um, in a red eye. In a red eye. Red eye. Yeah. And they. Uh, it was basically a riot, wasn't it? It was hilarious. Yeah, they, they killed the PA, but we carried on playing anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and kissed our own calls. Yeah. monitors around and bread bins and stuff. It was hilarious. That was funny. Proper violent gig. It was a proper violent gig. So we met at the Lady Owen Arms. Yeah. And what was going on there? We were doing a gig and you were doing a gig. Ah. You got to borrow my app. There you go. Which, which was exactly. unethical in those days. <laughs> yeah. You brought your own head. Yeah. So, so you got to borrow my app. What? Yeah. Did you lend it me? Yeah, I did. Oh, top man. Because <laughs> those days we we didn't drive, right? And we were from. They didn't bring anything with them. Well, no, but I mean, you got you <laughs> yeah, got to remember, Howard. You got to remember that there was one occasion when we played with George Roby. Steve Wood and I carried a Marshall four x twelve on the tube <laughs> from Uxbridge to Finsbury Park. Yeah, wheels on it. No wheels. What well, we didn't even know you could get with wheels. Yeah, I mean, wow. that, was, that was dedication to the cause, man. Yeah, absolutely. Any time, I'd imagine that also means that any time, if you ever hear any member of anyone's road crew moaning, you've got a story that you can just pull out and go, do you know what, mate? Why don't you fucking shut up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, why'd you neck it? There was the kick yeah. drum on the on the tube as well. I've taken a kick drum on the tube before. Fucking hell. I mean that's a like 50 minute journey when you sort of sit there getting in everyone's way and then <laughs> walk about with a kick drum. Yeah, you're not you're not very popular, are you? Really, on no, the on the no. tube with a fucking especially like being a 16 year old git who's finding it very difficult to carry that kick drum. Oh god, get away! So so how did you um how did you end up getting signed? So you've got you know you've got a. Got a, a, oh, a lineup now. How do you? How did you end up getting signed? Yeah, no, that was years later, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was a long yeah. time later. Yeah. Long long time. Time. Oh right. So this. So there was years of just oh, fucking oh. about. No. <laughs> well, we called it trying to be serious musicians, but now you come to mention it, it was probably like fucking about. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cool. Definitely been struggling musicians. Well, I mean, we were demo yeah. time like in 1990, 91, yeah. whatever. Um, I think we we got our sound. I think personally what Salem Orchid yeah that was like yeah. the sound that we still do now yeah pretty, pretty much uh, and then we split up the band and then we didn't do anything for ages and four then, years um, 
years after that. The, the lost years. Yeah. And then, right, sure. put out a box set with nothing in it. <laughs> Do you want to be our manager? Yeah, 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 yeah. Managing them. Blank CDs. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 92 to 96. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 92 to 96, the lost years. John, 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 nothing in there. John Cole, yeah. didn't he? John Cole released an album of silence. <laughs> that's art, apparently. Um, Just put a nice picture on. Well, that's, well, that's put a dampener on it. <laughs> oh, it's, already, yeah. it's already been done. Sorry. Shit. So yeah, there was the, the, after the lost years, David. What happened next? So yeah, so we we got together. We all knew each other, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Uh, since, we were since about 1990. Yeah. We, so yeah, we yeah. knew each other, but we decided because uh, that was at the stage when. We were hanging around with lots of musicians. People were getting deals all around us. We knew lots of people that were getting record deals. Not heavy metal, but um, uh, doing sessions and things like that. And generally trying to be involved with music on a sort of professional level, wasn't it? We were trying to make money through yeah. music. I was on, I was road crew, yeah. Yeah, uh, sessions and stuff like that. And then we just thought, because you and I were doing the tour, I was session drums, you were guitar tech. Yeah. with this, this pop band and we were thinking we're going to all these venues and thinking we want to come to this venue but we want to play with our band next yeah. time we come here it should be our band we're on that tour right and Fritz is, is twitching this fucking pop band but the geezer who drove the bus was an old metaler uh, Russ the bus who was a soldier and he let us play our music in the, on the driver system. So in the lounge, they were listening to whatever they were listening to. Yeah. And we were sat up the front with Russ, and Dave um, had a suffocation tape. Um, Effigy of the Forgotten, and we were listening to Effigy of the Forgotten, weren't we? We'd go to all these university venues and whatnot, listening to Effigy of the Forgotten. Going, yeah. <laughs> it's about time we did something, isn't it, really? Yeah. So we, yeah, we just got together, and we thought, it's that time. It's time for us to sort of make make music again. We hadn't done it for a few years, but we'd still all, all in touch. And then uh, we got together, started to record music, started to write music, and then uh, going going back one step slightly. You know when uh, when Shades was the only kind of place in London yeah. where you could buy thrash. Like, yeah, yeah, younger, absolutely. St. Anne's Court. Yeah, but it was um, it was so, around eighty nine. 90 that Tower Records in Piccadilly started to actually oh, yeah. Yeah. import oh, all of man. the records. Yes, yes. So I would get like, you know, £100 saved up and then go to Tower Records and yeah. all the records that I've been reading about uh, Game Over and. Uh, wow, you know, what an album. Uh, all those kind of things that were kind of on the periphery, you know, like. Um, Second Wave, Forbidden Evil. Yeah, Forbidden Evil. Um, those kind of great records. Great records. And I go there and yeah. just buy like ten albums yeah. at a time or whatever. And um, so we knew uh, Pip that used to work at Tower yeah. Records. Yep. Yeah. And by the way, by this time, I'm I, I'm I'm sat here going, yeah, yeah, because I know exactly what you mean. Because by this time, I had a friend living in London who I used to come and visit a lot, right. and ended up moving down here as, as as well. So I'm I totally remember yep. that whole. That, Fucking huge! I still remember getting um, hold of a, a prong tour edition of um, oh, wow. of cleansing, which oh, is gosh. impossible to get hold of, and I managed to get hold of it there. So yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So that, exactly was, what you mean. that was the time at Tower, so it was that was a slightly more uh, a cooler, sort of accessible place to actually get real music from, whereas yeah. it was quite exclusive before, wasn't it? Yeah, and, and that's that's actually an it makes an interesting segue into the first Akakoba album because. 
I don't know if it was. I think it was still. Check terrible. him out with his segways. Uh, <laughs> 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 we recorded the first album live in five hours in the in the room you were just in the rehearsal room you were just yeah. in um originally as a demo so we played it live we just put some mics up in the room and uh oh the most laughable process i won't wax circle too much about it but anyway i went out and got a manufacturing and distribution deal um, and we self-released it and the thing that was extraordinary was somebody called me i forget who it was and said, your album's all over fucking Tower Records. And I was like, what are you talking about? And the distribution company, for reasons known only to themselves, had given it such a leg up that they put up like, you know, sort of banners and stuff, you know, to say, get this here, get it here. I, I was absolutely flabbergasted, I didn't believe it. And I went to Tower Records myself, and lo and behold, there was like, you know, not just under A was Akakoka, there was like, you know, posters and shit up and... Really? Wasn't it, wasn't it, was it someone like Pip? Well, used to work there. Well, let me take a step like, back because... the guys in the Devil's Church. No, like, Pip, Pip, Pip used to work Pip, there. Pip did work there, yeah. yeah. I think he, he kind of... I made the link with someone. Yeah. Oh, there you and, go. Uh, well, um, excuse me, gents, let me just go back a second. <laughs> I got Pip's number from Nicky Lodi. Oh, yes. Yeah. He used to work in Kingston Town. Right. So I went down oh, to Oh, there was a Pip. Kingston Tower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Nicky from Crematorium used to work there. Who Crematorium. Really well. So I got Pip's number. I went down with a box of CDRs of rape. Wow. And he said, Bruv, I'm all over this. He said, I'll put this in the shop. I said, all right. So, what, you know, like we worked out how much per unit. Who was this, Nicky or Pip? Pip. So I used to take a box of Rape of the Bastard Nazarenes, which was our first sort of demo album. And I gave them to Pip, and he would sell them. And he no punted fucking them. Way. That's what we used to do. No fucking way. And that was then. Uh, who released Rape after that? Well, the the, the manufacturing. It's a rather unfortunate nickname for an album, isn't it? Yeah, Rape of the Bastard. I just like it. <laughs> so, so, um, so, uh, so the the the, 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 the vendors records, our record label released the first, released it first, but it was and that's because I used to take it to Pip, but it was distributed by Plastic Head. That was when then yeah. then they came back, and all of a sudden it went from being six ninety nine per unit to being eleven ninety nine per unit, because, and it was like but it had ah. a barcode. <laughs> right, <laughs> you became yeah, you you, you became establishment. <laughs> Part of the machine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was and that was that. And that's yeah. old school. That's punk. That's yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No do it yourself. Yeah, DIY. Charge, charge GPH. And the, yeah. the, the, the the thing was at that time we we got lots of uh, press and terrorizer back at the time. Uh, so we got album of the month in Terrorizer. It was the first ever self-released album to get album off. of the month, and that was and, and they spelled a fucking name wrong. <laughs> so how many years has the band been going? Twenty what? About 20, we're in our 21st year. Now. Right, so 21 years, people are still fucking spelling their name. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, presumably, I spell it wrong you're used to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we seen Terrorizer, it said, we opened it up and we're like, great, it's our first interview in Terrorizer, we opened it up and it's Abacocker. Oh. Not a K, it's a B. Oh, no, that is, but that's possibly the worst though, isn't it? That is. Well, we didn't mind because they were so nice. 
and they've got album of the month and there was the whole piece in the band and whatever and you know we didn't expect anything like that like, because we literally had a demo that we recorded ourselves yeah. and we were in Martin's place mixing it and recording you know yeah. stuff ourselves everything stuff. and then everyone was sort of like in Terrorizer we had Greg and, and um, Nick, Nick Terry, Terry. Everyone in front of us up saying, oh, you got to come down and meet us. We fucking, you know, we listen to this every day. It's always on rotation. And we just thought... Really? Oh, we'd have to put out like a couple of albums, you know, play let's play some higher profile shows. Yeah. Anyone even noticed us. So we were kind of like, okay, I'm not prepared at all. Yeah. Can I tell you a story? Can I tell you a story? Please do. I want to tell you a story. Yeah. So um, David and I went up to meet the terrorizer a lot did our first ever interview band interview and then um, they took us out for curry afterwards and then this bloke who was wasn't one of the staff writers he was a freelancer bloke called nails and um, <laughs> have you ever lied in an interview Harold? Oh, all the time <laughs> right yeah, yeah. so so uh, this, this, this is right have I ever lied in an interview so okay. so these days, not so much. These days, I tend to be pretty straight. Though, oh yeah, but back in the day, back in the day, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, it, there was there was a little bit of truth in some interviews. Yeah, right, mostly so, lies. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're in this curry house, and this fellow Nail says to me, uh, you know, making chit chat over the d- dinner table. He says, um, "So when you're not playing in the band, what what do you do? You know, what, what what's your day job?" And I thought I can't tell him what I do. It's something terminally boring. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so feeling a bit flustered and on the spot, I just said the first thing that came into my head. So I said to him. I'm an embalmer. Oh, yeah. Right? And he said, Really? I said, Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, No, he said, No, you're. I said, No, straight up. I am an embalmer. He said, Well, if you're an embalmer, how many incisions do you need to make in an adult male torso to get the embalming fluid in? I said, Four. He went, No, it's six. I said, How do you know? He said, I'm an embalmer. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, the off the beam, no, oh. it's not an embalmer. No, isn't an embalmer but he's worked in the game and he knew his shit and of all the lies I could have told and of all the people I could have told it to it was a bloke who works in a funeral director's oh, with a no. mortuary or whatever fucking hell dear me well, that reminds me of being on that nuclear assault tour with the nuclear assault reanimator and us and we were um, oh reanimator oh, yeah oh, yeah and we were um, we were we were on tour bus and Mike their guitarist was regaling us with tales of when he was a grave digger <laughs> right and he was like and he was like this happened and he said yeah I was, I was like digging a, digging a grave for somebody and we didn't we hadn't planned it properly you didn't realise he was on top of another grave and like, <laughs> foot went through my foot went through a went through a coffin lid into an old into an old you know um uh, yeah, into an old and he said oh, I pulled my foot out and it's like you know it hadn't been in there that long. The flesh was falling off the bone. Was making and, it all up? So, no, no, no. So, the, so we're bearing in mind we're on a tour bus, completely in the dark, or all in our bunks. So I mean, <laughs> just chatting, right? But then no, but then he, t- he tells another two or three stories, right? And it's like, it's like, and eventually someone goes, so, um, so anyway, um, you, uh, what, uh, you know, what, what happened with that job? And he goes, oh, I had to leave. It was giving me nightmares. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks for that. Yeah, good night. It's about two o'clock in the morning. He's been telling stories for two hours, and then chucks in the, you know, he gives him nightmares. But um, 
<laughs> we've, yeah, we've, we've got slightly off topic here. Um, In a good way. Yes, yeah. So, um, so, you, so you did your Terrorizer stuff. Yeah. Um, and you, a self-released album got you, like, like noticed, basically. Yeah. And... Quite those so, that wanted to. Just, you know. Yeah, Nixon was gigging with Morbid Angel. And that must have been freaky. Given your. Yeah, did you have to do the washing up? <laughs> <laughs> Almost. It was, it was worse. I would prefer to do, do the washing up from the trauma that we fucking went through. Oh, really? Was it. Oh, it wasn't one of those gigging with your heroes and it turns out they treat you like absolute twats. Yeah, 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 like dog shit. Oh. So, I mean, no sound checks and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be, but, but you mean what some bands did back in the day, which was just. just fuck fuck everyone over yeah. just, 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 piss, yeah. just piss about yeah because there was no, there was no access to social media where you could make an outcry about how you've how you've been treated or anything like that it's just you get treated like shit and you fucking eat shit yeah yeah, and that was, that, sound ever. and that was how we yeah, really. um Hecate and Throne, wasn't it? Because we were, we played with them. They were main support and we opened up the show. We were first, then it was Hecate and Throne, then it was Morbid Angel. And we were all quite excited to be there. It was a big show and it was great, you know, uh, at the Astoria. Uh, oh, right. LA2. 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 Oh, which was another fantastic venue. Oh, what a venue. So we, what a we venue. turn up there and then for about four hours, Morbid Angel were all... Like on stage, making noise all at the same time, smoking fags. So, like, wandering about. So the drummer's kind of like sitting, playing his drums, and the guitarist is making it. So everyone's doing. Uh, you, you mean, but you mean like the worst bit of rehearsal? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we don't even rehearse like that. <laughs> we did when we were fifteen. What, you, but you can't hear what you're doing when yeah. he's doing that. So why yeah, yeah, at the yeah. same time? It's just this sort of chaos, and then it was like six o'clock or whatever, and this. Still on stage, all playing at the same time. Doors are caught <laughs> And so we're sat with this band, Hecate and Throne. We never heard of them. We didn't know who they were, but they were because we're all in the same boat. You know, you've got all your gear. You know, where the where the kids would would be yeah. to watch the band. You yeah. set all your gear up there, which you're going to lift onto the stage yeah. to set up in front of them. So we're all standing together, kind of twiddling our thumbs, like. This is like so amateur that they're. This is like a sound check inverted commas. They're all just playing at the same time because they're bored and we're bored. And that means that we don't get, even get to do a line check. Yeah. And then literally someone comes around and says, Right, on, you're going to play in 10 minutes. And they're like, Oh, fuck off. Yeah. You know, you're joking. You know, so that it changes your opinion of the band, doesn't it? Yeah. Suck it up, guys, suck it up. This is how it's going yeah. to be for the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, but we're, we're still friends with Hecate now. We've yeah, played shows with them last Rose, year. They're our bros. They're great guys. They just, you know, it's what Heavy Mountain was all about to us. It's about these guys that have got the same kind of attitude that they've always had. Camaraderie. Yeah, it's play Heavy Metal, uh, you know, be good to your bros, drink a beer afterwards together and... Uh, have a laugh. You know? Yeah. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Play Heavy Metal yeah. and have a laugh. Yeah. The bits I like. We're really lucky. Never, I'm never really, never really got fucked over by a headline band like that or... or or, or any of that but but again I think there was a slight difference between you know you said earlier about the <coughs> about the the thrash ethos was always always anti-image yeah. it was always about there's no you know like no it, could, it could be you up here yeah. you know that's yeah. the whole point no rock stars but when 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 like death metal came in there was an image that came with that and 
you, you you could behave like that because you when you when you create an image you also create a, a, a kind of mystique and a distance yeah. Yeah. from your audience yeah. part of your appeal is we're not like you and it's you know it I've never a, thought of the inception of that being around the time of death metal that's interesting I think when Glenn Benton was on Channel 4 saying that he was possessed by devils <laughs> <laughs> That was a pretty good indicator. Slightly different, slightly different to Anthrax being in the hot tub at the end of Calendar Girls. Yeah. Are are you possessed? Of course. A bit different from Paul Stanley being noshed off by Playmate of the Month. (laughs) (laughs) But I I love that. I love this. I love that period of music, and I love the fact that they are saying, you know. Actually, we're not quite like your mates. You're going to be drinking down, you know, down the pub with as well. Yeah, I do, I do like that. I'll be honest. Um, yeah, but from an industry point of view, from an actual practical point of view, yeah. it's like, for instance, if you're a kid outside and you know, Davidson walks about, walks past, and you know, leave me alone people you're like wow great you know David's told me to leave him alone well there's, you know, <laughs> that's, you know, there's that classic <laughs> story one of your bros at school do you remember and he came in they saw the Slayer show at, uh, at the marquee yeah and he was like rah Kerry King kicked me in the face yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. really stoked with that really pleased about yeah, yeah. that was his claim to fame but, no. but, but it is it's like it's like oh it's yeah Dave, you know, David's yeah. told me you know to Fuck leave off. him alone yeah great but when you're supporting you, you actually want Dave Vincent to actually just be Dave Vincent and go, we've done our sound check, it's your turn now, lads. Do you know what I mean? And put yeah. that on for everyone else as opposed to... But do you expect you know, that from people like Morbid Angel? I mean, I, I, maybe I've just got a different attitude, but I never really expected them to be like that. No. I, mean, I didn't expect them to be complete sort of... Twits. Twits, but... <laughs> <laughs> Twits. Brilliant. You don't expect them to be giving you beers out of their rider. Do you, mm, well, no, but you might expect maybe a five-minute sound check. You know, yeah, yeah. A line check. Out of respect, a line yeah. check. Yeah, At yeah. Least. Because because ultimately, whether you're in like whether whether you're in Morbid Angel or whether you're in a pub band, you are all doing the same thing, yeah. and you need a sound check. Yeah. It's like you, you know, yeah, you can respect. say, look, yeah, exactly. Hey, not even mutual, just a bit of respect. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Just a little bit of. Of respect, I mean, treat others as you want to be treated. I mean, We've always, we, 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 you know, absolutely. I mean, even to this day, you know, when we play small club shows and we've got a local band on or whatever, and it's just too much hassle to move back on. And I say, can we use a catcher? Like, yeah, of course. Yeah, I just crack on, kids. Like, yeah. just no, no dramas. We're not precious about that. You know, I, I, I've played with bands that um, that tape their mains plugs into the sockets and, yeah, then, and yeah. then right over the sticky tape, you know, and um, do not do not remove. Y- y- yeah, and like God forbid that you need to plug in like a sampler or uh, you know a drum module or whatever because you ain't or an effects pedal because you ain't gonna fucking find an outlet. Like, what's that all about? That's just pants, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but uh, oh, scrumpy old man moments. <laughs> <laughs> There's just no need for it. There's no, there is no need no, for it at all. Not at all. But, but but every time, every time I see stuff like that, just one word comes into my head, and that's it's insecurity. Right. It's, yeah, it's, so what it's, they got to worry about? Yeah, abso- like, you know, everything, as it turns out. You know, maybe, maybe I remember when Van Halen supported Black Sabbath and like. 
zeppelins in the way. Yeah, just blew him off the stage, and like, because presumably they'd not heard him. It's like, yeah, it's the American kids, we're Sabbath, and Van Halen supported him. I was, I, I read an interview with, with quite a notable um, heavy metal band uh, recently. Um, and this fellow who's, uh, I mean, I'm not a big fan of their band, but I think that they can all play really well. And um, this fellow was saying that whenever they play live, they always lock themselves in the dressing room as soon as they arrive at the venue. Don't come out until the stage manager says, showtime. And he said the reason that he does that is because he doesn't want to see anybody else's show in case it's better than theirs. And it puts him off his game. And I thought... Wow, that's far out, man. Yeah, well, it's like, that's like that's really insecure. You should you should just go and see somebody and sort those issues out. Yeah, because should. unbeknownst to you, those issues are existing in other parts of your life as well, yeah. where there's where there's not a dressing room that you can shut yourself right, in. Right, right, right. You know? and it's like and and you always see that on a whole bunch of really good heavy metal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you missed out on some killer shows when you've been cocooned in your fucking you know mothballed in your dressing room waiting to come out and do your. Shit. But also, is, I mean, the weird thing is, listening to that as well, is like my, my comedian brain is processing that. And, and like, I would, you know, as a show last night, and you, 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 you literally have to sit in the room and watch the show because you need to know what's been said between particular right. individuals right. has a is is another comedian doing a doing a gag that Top, might topical that, gag yeah, or, or no or, or yeah or topical or, or a gag that's on the same subject as you because if they do then in my set i either have to reference that as as so and so was saying earlier or i have to drop my gag that's altogether it. that's it so and, and then you, you need to know who's in the audience and whose birthday is and is there a stag do and, and who's so, been heckling yeah yeah absolutely who's been heckling all night yeah yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. You, or who are the cunts as we call it yeah and you just you know because you know there's going to be some people who are going to be good natured that you can have a laugh with where other people you've got to shut them down so you've got to do your research you know you've, you've got to know yeah and, uh, and, and, and to be and there's nothing worse as well there's nothing worse being in a a, a a comedy show than where you see a headliner turn up and they go all uh, oh, right so uh, you know have we got any uh, you know have we got any uh, you know Americans in and a previous comedian is asked if there's any Americans in and there isn't so that guy comes on and goes is there any Americans and everyone just sort of sits there and goes no no and then he, he goes like oh this is a bit of a weird reaction uh, oh, do we not like? And then you, you're going off on some tangent about oh, do you guys not like Americans? It's like no, someone else asked us earlier. There is no Americans here. You should already know that. And the whole thing becomes a bit weird. But again, that's the, the whole the way comedy works, which is obviously very different to music. But trapping yourself in a room to avoid everybody else on the bill really in case they're really better weird. than you is that's mad. That's, really, that's really utterly weird. mad. Totally they're, they're, they're a respected, you know, sort of current band. They've been around. They've got heritage. And oh, right, okay, right. Yeah, that is weird. It's really odd. It really, it's about what you do, not what about well, else especially, else do. especially when and, and Jason mouthed who the, the band is to me just there. Especially when you do something that's so removed from everybody else. Right. You know, I mean, I, yeah, that's bizarre. That is yeah. bizarre. 
But part, I, part, I mean, part of the part of the best bit about being in a band is, let's face it, we don't do it for the money. <laughs> yeah. um, There's money. What? There's money. Is there? Uh, no. You've got some. Have you? No. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> well, the best bit about it, and you know, getting to go and visit other places you wouldn't get to go to otherwise, is seeing bands. You know, is getting to see. You know, you play a festival line up and you're like, oh, crikey, who's on this festi that, that's of interest, you know? Like, yeah. And, and I hope we don't clash with them because you're going to get out and go and see a band that you like, you know? That, yeah. That's part of being a music fan, right? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Like, absolutely. Yeah, which we most definitely are. Ah, actually, speaking on that subject, there's quite relevant. Not for me, matey, thank you. I remember I you was um, playing with My Dying Bride a few years ago, like drums, just live drums for them. And I was um, doing a festival, I don't remember which festival. Oh, you, you, you were sitting in for them? Yeah, they were sort of in between drummers, so I was playing with them. And um, I'm, I'm alright, it's fine, yeah. Um, and, uh, Two's the limit on the Sunday afternoon. Yeah. We're driving. Yeah, yeah, me too. So, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> we're at some big European festival. I'm really hoping you've got that on. And, um, having breakfast and I was with um, Hamish who's the, used to be the guitarist in My Dying Bride and we're, we're, we're sat there and we're having our breakfast and whatever and, and uh, you know you see lots of different people from different bands don't you you might see you know people that you recognise wandering in and out and whatever and at some point some characters come in and, uh, and Hamish is singing and it's like oh you know come over and have a cup of tea whatever and we've been sat there and chatting and he's not been speaking to me or whatever but you know he's been chatting and and uh, and, and gone off and then Hamish has seen someone else and said oh yeah that was I don't know who from Acid Rain and I thought ah I wish you told me that was Sunset from Acid Rain because I've never met anyone from Acid Rain and it would just be cool just to say like, oh yeah respect I know know the band you know that was that, if it was at a festival that would have probably been Kev then because he'll have been crewing for somebody right that's yeah because it wouldn't be anybody else right yeah, that was that was probably Kev. But you know that, that's that bizarre. Thing when you're kind of sat around and someone comes along and chats and whatever, and then then someone says, "Oh yeah, that was some." Yeah, 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 you yeah think, oh, you know, no, no, you're right. You're right. It is always after they've gone. You go, good, but also you don't want to be the person going. Sorry, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of none of my business. Do you remember we were in Norway and we were sitting down having a bit of nosebag, and um, Blackie from Boyboy appeared. Remember that? And I went, "You went, man, it's Blackie." I went. Hey, Blackie man, how you doing? And he just literally looked like a fucking frightened rabbit in the headlights, turned on his heels and ran away. It's like, really? That was really weird. <laughs> that was, that wow. was really weird. He clearly didn't want to speak to anybody and fair play to him, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some <laughs> some drunk, drunken English twat, but it was just, it was just really odd. He spent, ah, I don't even remember that. And ran off. I grabbed, so, um, I grabbed him at the festival at some point and insisted that he take a picture with me. <laughs> you know, like, you just think this is never going to happen again. Yeah, he was yeah like, absolutely. He was like a yeah. fucking cat, like, stuck to the bloody curtains, wasn't he? He was like, just get me away from the ski, sir. Just wanted to run away like he did before. That's weird. So, um, so you went from, yeah, like, we're going, like, going way back. You went from, like, you know, self, self-released to... Peaceville. To, to Peaceville. To um, Eric. <coughs> yeah. Out the front pan into the fire. <laughs> um, you said that. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did. It's out there. It's been recorded. Um, well, it's, it's, I, I look. I remember those days. You're right. You know, I remember those days, and um, it's just where it's, it's it's what happened to everybody. You know. Um, what getting fucked? Yeah. 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 
so did you so was that was that enough to just turn you off you know is that why is that why you sort of ground to a halt not really is it the business side of things or was it just because the one thing the one thing I've noticed is we've talked about the, uh, the forgotten years and the, the empty box set that's uh, that I, I believe I believe is due out next next year yeah, yeah um, I'll, I'll be plugging that in uh, yeah, future interviews yeah yeah <coughs> but, but you, you could do a second for the forgotten years when you when yeah. you just weren't yeah. <laughs> we've just remembered years yeah yeah yeah, yeah exactly and I've just remembered yeah yeah so you've, you've got and you've another got, thing yeah you could do a double box set of just it's just empty like, you know you're a marketing genius now. <laughs> Thank you. But all those, all those years off. Um, but it's weird, because it's almost like you did it again. It's like, you know, you, you were in a band. Yeah. You were in a, you know, Sacred yeah. Orchid. Was it? Salem Orchid. <laughs> Salem Orchid. Slalom's Orchid. Sorry, Sacred, Sacred Orchid is one of, one of my favourite Thai restaurants that's shut down. Um, well, it's quite a good name for a band, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, actually, it was Siam Orchid, but never mind. Um, but um, so, so yeah, you, you you did it again. Do you know what I mean? You played together, yeah, did, and yeah. then you you drifted, and then you and then you played together. You had a proper career. And then it kind of it drifted again. Yeah. It's it's weird. Yeah. Um, was it? I mean, one thing I have noticed because, like I said, I, I laughingly do some research. Is there's been nothing said about those intervening years recently when you kind of you you, you didn't you didn't split up. You just it just ground to a halt. Yeah. And then life got in the way and yep. then five years later so that summarised it very well actually I think you know it was a good, very good synopsis there shit bollocks so basically what I'm trying to say is which one of you got sent down <laughs> <laughs> You know, <laughs> David was arrested around. in the old Kent Road for <laughs> <His> sensitive crimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, yeah, yeah, that summarises it very well. Just sort of ground to a halt. Yeah, it ground to a halt. Yeah, it summarises it very well because you fucking said that. <laughs> <laughs> so don't, so don't try, don't try and make out like I'm some sort of you know incredible genius who's come up with that. You said that. Yeah, yeah. you said that. So. Uh, you know if you don't want to go into details fine but no, there's fine. something you know how did it just kind of like was it was it also there was time it, it seems to me that it, it, when it happened there was there was a time there when music was in a bit of a plunge a downward plunge was our, it, in our, general or yeah, our, our, yeah, our yeah, yeah. Music, I felt our yeah, music no no you no yeah. I felt our music was in a bit of a plunge I, I, right. I, I was losing interest because I felt we'd started to repeat ourselves on the on the on the Antichrist album I felt that you know, some of the material's all right. Some of it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it stands up. You know, it's good death metal, but there's lots of good death metal bands around. You know, and you know, a lot of them play a lot better than I do, and a lot better than we do, frankly. So let them crack on with that, and like we should crack on with being an apple You know, and doing what we do. And so there was that. That was an element of it. There was also an element of it that I was. Um, in a mental downward spiral which meant that I would turn up to rehearsal and not be able to retain any information from week to week right uh, to the great frustration of the rest of the band no doubt been there mate yeah I Don't just I, I, I would turn been up there. and they'd be like do you remember those riffs we showed you last week I'd be like not a fucking clue and so after a while I just didn't want to turn up anymore because I felt like I was holding everyone back yeah yeah so, and you also, you, so I stopped turning up and it was as simple as that you, you did a Sid Barrett 
Yeah, without the LSD. Oh. Yeah. Bummer. Well, no, I, I, I feel cheated, frankly. <laughs> yeah. I did a pickle no, flex. Yeah. Um, note, note to self, more yeah. LSD. Yeah, more, more acid. Uh, yeah, praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. So, um, so that was it, really. And so I, I sort of retreated into my shell and into uh, uh, psychiatric hell for a couple of years. And, um, and Dave carried on playing with the rest of the guys and formed the Antichrist Imperium. And voices and played with my dying bride as well. Yeah. So he he kept his musical boots busy. So you, yeah, yeah. Keep keep happy. Yeah, I wasn't you know, ready to stop playing. I'm n- never. You know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We've done this since we were kids. Yeah, like Literally. I was 15 when we started playing heavy metal. It's like, well, that's well, what I do. If I don't I mean. play heavy metal, that's you know, about to take the pills, mate. Well, I mean, not to sort of get too uh, morbid or whatever, but it's like that's what I do with my life. If I don't have heavy metal. And it's just me. It's like, no, that doesn't work. I, I use so much sort of uh, validation. Do you know what I mean? As, yeah, yeah, absolutely. My self sort yeah. of opinion yeah. is, is so rooted. I don't think you realise until those times, you know, that you realise uh, when it's like, oh, right, well, we're not playing this, you know, um, so is it an option that I don't play heavy metal? Oh, right. It's like, no, it's really not. Because if I don't have heavy metal and it's just, you know, if I'm if I'm just sort of me and not me in a band, it doesn't work. It yeah. doesn't work. I have to, to, to sort of have any self-value, have to be creative, you know. And I think it's then, then when you realise just how you've sort of developed as an adult and, you know, how much yeah. of your own value you place in music and creativity. So Especially it's, if it's always been there as well. Yeah. So it's like, well, fucking hell, can't stop. Yeah. yeah. Possibly stop. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so you have to just find other people to play with. Yeah. This is what you did, and fucking came up with some cracking records at the same time. So and, and and during this period, you're presumably trying to get your own head together, but also keeping one ear on on what these guys are doing. No, I didn't have Scooby. Didn't pay any attention whatsoever. Didn't right. hear the first Voices album until long after it came out. In fact, I heard the second album before I heard the first album. And um, album, the second album, I really like actually. Um, but yeah, no, I, I didn't. I don't think I listened to any music for years. I mean, right. I've, because I was in such a, a numb space that um, it stopped having any effect on me. And that's when you start to question. You have to. I mean, are there many points where you might reevaluate your own your own well-being and your own state? But when when you listen to a record that always, without fail, puts your hairs on your arms on end or puts a shiver down your spine or reminds you of something really significant in your, in your life and you listen to that record and it does nothing for you yeah that's when you have to go oh fucking hell I've, yeah you, I've you're a bit far removed from everything yeah you're, you're basically living a, a joyless existence uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah and and everything that you that, that you would normally get pleasure from you no longer get pleasure from and so it actually ends up becoming destructive right you, because lose, you lose all your reference points you lose all your frames of reference yeah of, of who you are you know and so uh, so yeah that was uh, that was exciting for quite a while yeah no well, yeah. I can um, I can certainly identify with that right um, right. Uh, yeah yeah it's uh, yeah I mean uh, I've talked a lot about um, mental health with with um with the rest of the with the rest of the band as we are now, and uh, I mean, our, our, our last single, "The Man Who Became Himself," is about mental health, basically. Yeah, right. You know, um, and um, you know, something we've we've all we've all talked about doing something actually for World Mental Health Day as well, because you know, right now within within our within our band, you know, 
everybody has got an issue with sores. Yeah. You know? And, okay. and, and that just shows you how common and, it is. And, yeah, but also probably will do, you know, moving forward, you know, for, forever. Because things are, well, between five people, there's always going to be, there's always oh, going to be some, but, but we're, but, you know, it's, it's everyone's shoulder to, you know, shoulder to lean on, you know, it's like, you know, we can carry, carry that weight. As, as, as a group, pros. you know, yeah, exactly, and and you know, sit and talk, and you know, and and really kind of just try and be there for each other. And, and no, that's a beautiful, you know. that's a beautiful thing, and and you know, but I didn't do that. I didn't reach out to anyone. I just became more and more of an isolationist and more and more of a hermit, and just sort of um, stayed at home, not speaking to anybody, and just sort of carried on. With bare minimum to to subsist. Yeah, but I did. I, yeah, but I did exactly that. Yeah. I did exactly yeah. the same. I did exactly because this is pre the band getting back together. Um, yeah, it was just like you know, shut the curtains, keep the world out. Hang um, phone off the hook. Yeah, absolutely, and just just you know, make the world as small as possible. Yeah. Um, and for somebody, for me, I'm quite quite gregarious, and you know, likes being company and and all the rest of it. And when you, when you when you stop actually wanting to do any of that stuff or connect with any it's it's like yeah you do you you, you start you start thinking well, well who the fuck am I because if you if you and I know this if you don't recognise yourself it's quite worrying yeah because it's like it's well, very right what uh, you, hence the you know the man who became himself it's like I, I wrote that out the other side but yeah. When you're in it, it's kind of you know a very a very very scary place to be. Definitely, you know. So I, um, yeah, I mean, so I, I went. I was very lucky and and had a lot of help, a lot of help, and um, and came out the other side of that. Um, and um, after a while, you know, uh, that sort of gnawing need to uh, to play sort yeah. of, uh, sort of re- returned. Yeah, and. Um, Hence, you know, sort of back cock of Mark II reboot. You know? And you lot, uh, yeah, reboot. One of my favourite words. Yeah, having being the only original <laughs> member in, uh, in in Acid Rain, yeah. Um, and the, yeah, then you all decided <laughs> to start playing uh, social media games and uh, dropping hints. And um... that was his fault mostly. <laughs> that was his fault. Me? Yeah. <clears throat> was it? <laughs> Did you not have a Facebook thing up? For... I made the, the Facebook page because I was on holiday in Morocco with a young Marrakesh. lady who was getting... I've done uh, my homework. Who was getting <laughs> bored with my company and I thought, oh, you know what, while I'm hanging about here this afternoon, I'm going to like, you know, make a bit of an archive. And, uh, and she said, you should maybe get it all like in one central kind of like, you know... Uh, Repository. Yeah, like sort of a data bank of all the stuff. And I think that's a really nice idea because there isn't anything... Uh, there are a couple of those random pages like um, Reform Akakoka or Cut Your Own Throat or whatever, and it's like. <laughs> I started that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was a, a nice idea to sort of just because so many people used to write to me because I knew I was still making music, and so many of those, you know, that younger generation that we now, I'm still in touch with, I suppose, but of people that never had the chance to see the band play live. And. Um, yeah, that I did that because it, I thought that was the like a, a, more of an archive. That's that's why I did it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and yeah. So, what was the response to that? You, you know, you, it well, was... it was weird that there's that younger generation of people that now are in their early twenties that, uh, and I'm still sort of in touch with quite a few of them. 
uh, and you just kind of think, where did you even hear about this? I don't, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, that's all, that isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This kind I know. of weird yeah. kind of niche thing. And I suppose it was like when we were growing up, um, you couldn't see Killing Joke on TV or the Swans on TV that much, but there was this big audience for them. And they had a kind of a bit of a cachet because they were a little bit alternative. Mm-hmm. And that's the only thing I can think of that we were, we weren't ever really cool. Uh, we weren't really like a, a big band. But when you look at Terrorizer back in the day, we were always in it. Yeah. yeah. We were always in Terrorizer. We always had a lot of really good hype and good press, but we were never sort of successful, you know? And I think a lot of the younger kids see that, uh, listen to the music and hear the different influences in the band. Yeah. yeah. Think, you know what? This is not just you know like death metal. Um, <laughs> I think I, I think you're one of those bands that, that I think you're one of those bands that people look back on and go like you know that you were underappreciated at the time. Um, Maybe. And I and the one one thing I do get <clears throat> from us being in a similar position in a band that was around you know a long time ago is. Um, is is that people come up to you and like you know you you were underappreciated you were underappreciated at the time, and the beautiful thing about this about the metal community is that is that they don't just go oh you were it's like they they firmly nail their colours to your mast and they tra- they tell all of their mates mm. and they they post about you online and they put your albums yeah. on YouTube yeah. and stuff like that and they and they become advocates for you and that's the beautiful thing about this community that we're part of that is is that you know people they're advocates for you you know they stand up and they shout and tell everybody these guys you know were underappreciated and you you know you need to listen to this stuff because the stuff you're listening to now well guess what this stuff has been around for years you know and and that wouldn't exist without this you know you do get really get, uh, or I find that a lot of the, the for, for instance, those generations of the, the, the 20s that still, you know, are into Aquacocker, and when uh, I have contact with them and they and they play certain bands, you know, some I've never heard of, uh, <laughs> of doing something, and you think, wow, you know, if you'd only been around for a bitchery in '88, they they kick this shit like. They kick the door open on this kind of thing, yeah. And they re- they were doing it because it meant something to them. Now kids are doing this kind of thing because it's you know uh, retro or whatever, or very contrived, and saying you know, we've got a thrash influence. Yeah, that, that, no, Dave, that filters into something you were, you were saying earlier about you know when you were saying about the MySpace um, thing and when when that emerged and all of a sudden these bands inverted commas yeah. emerged. And, and, and all of a sudden there are all these derivative bands and it, it always makes me think back to <clears throat> when death metal was coined as a term uh, and the, the first wave of bands appeared if you identify those four or five bands that really spring to mind to my mind certainly those Floridian bands they all were under the umbrella term of death metal but they none of them sound alike yeah they all had and have completely distinctive styles and sounds you know and I think the problem that I have with what you alluded to uh, with, with a lot of that sort of derivative stuff is that so much of it to my uneducated ear or my ignorant ear just sounds the same yeah. and it's boring it's yeah. flat it's one dimensional it doesn't have any 
you know, any life to it and any character, you know, that, that identifies it. You, you can listen to it and go, oh, that's definitely that band because it's got that hallmark or it's got that signature sound or yeah. whatever, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, I feel very, I, I feel... God, I'm No, not at all. I feel, I feel the same about Thrash. I feel the same, you know, it's like... Um, I was, uh, so everybody's raving about um, uh, an, an, a new thrash album um, by a band, and uh, and everyone's like going, "Oh, you know, you've got to leave." Yeah, it was great. And I listened to it, and I was just like, "Well, really? You know, it's just we did this uh, thirty uh, years." Yeah, ago. yeah, absolutely. I, I like, witnessed this first time round. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, do you know what? I I, I heard an interview that I did. At, um, uh, a festival recently because I, I couldn't remember doing it. Um, which is, yeah, yeah, exactly. You said it lies, it? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah, listening back to those, <laughs> and I, I said something surprisingly cogent, which was, and I think it's, it's your duty as an artist, and I, you know, we're all going to sound like, oh yes, we're artists now. Uh, you know, you know, but it's your duty as an artist to push the envelope. It's your duty as an artist to move you know what, things now, you're right. I like, forward. I like you. You're all right, mate. You're all right. <laughs> Thank I, you. I do see music as art. I really do. I really do. Well, it is. It is an art form. It is. Music as a sort of, as an entity, uh, it's about songs. That's what I think. Like, So it doesn't matter how good you are at playing your instrument. If you can't communicate something sort of unique to that song in a song, why are you doing it? Yeah. Because you, or the only reason apart from that can be, and we get a lot of this in heavy metal, is because you want people to say, "Well, he's really good at doing, you know, playing the drums. Yes, he's really yeah. good on the oh. guitar. You know, that's not music. I that's being a brilliant musician, great, but that's not music. No. In the well, same I... way that being a punks with a nice haircut and dancing a bit is not about music in pop music. You know, yeah. it's like in the eighties, pop music was about someone that had uh, an idea and a motivation to do with what I consider like art. Nowadays, it's about making money and getting noshed off, isn't it? You know, which is great. It's got nothing <laughs> but, to do with yeah. music. And we've we've, yeah. we've had neither. But yeah. you know what I mean? That's, that's <laughs> Where did we go wrong? Yeah. The thing yeah. is, I, yeah, I, right. I, I no, I, I I agree, and it's well, it, yeah. Talking about you know, music, you know, as an art form. Do you guys, um, are any of you guys, aware of the uh, YouTube channel Lost in Vegas? No. Two guys bang into hip hop, who do reaction videos to yeah yeah and they yeah and 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 they've and they've gone into the metal world yeah, I was doing um, Wild Wild Saints by Rush. Yes, yeah. And, and like, wow, yeah, that's some groovy bass, man. Yeah, and, and literally, one of, they pause it, and one of them's just going like, yeah, man, this is like, I want to get my Michael Jackson on. And it's like, they're just, because they, they're approaching this music as music, yeah. you know, and they're yeah. banging to hip-hop. Yeah. But they're just, but funnily enough, you watch a few of their things, and they're all about, don't matter how good you can play, can you move me? Yeah, and there you go. That's all. They, that's all I'm interested in. And they, they literally they nail Dream Theater in one song. They nail him in one song, and it's like about seven minutes in. They both sat there going, yeah, "Well, they, they can play. Yeah, yeah, they can definitely play. I'm just not sure that this is necessary. <laughs> you know, and, and it's just do, it, check it out. Lost do, in Vegas. Do, do, they are great. I, I don't know how many how many times I've, I, I don't know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've paraphrased it or, or yeah. regurgitated it, but I think it's a. Uh, in one of the interludes on the exit stage left uh, live video by Rush but Geddy Lee says it sure helps to be able to play real well and know all those notes but at the end of the day it's all about feel yes 
absolutely same point it's the same point yeah yeah absolutely it is it, but it, it, ultimately that is I think played into what you were saying which is yeah well done lads you know yeah that's it sounds like a song you've got you've got a verse a chorus you've got a middle eight you've got a little instrumental part you can all play very well and it doesn't mean brilliant anything to but you know I mean, next when you hear someone say nowadays that uh, there's this you know there's a, a new thrash group you know and they're kind of doing this thrash retro kind of thing and you think it, it's almost like when people say about punk you know it's like there is no punk punk was something that was about a time and a place yeah. and the motivation for uh, you know a, a style of music was then punk there, spirit there is no punk that isn't I'm just saying my opinion I'm yep. saying I'm yeah. right but my opinion yep. is that punk is that and thrash was then yeah. when when like you know Charlie Benante like sat behind a kit and was just like you know what I'm gonna fucking have this like you know double kick sub 16s we're gonna really have it and whatever he was doing that because that was expressing when him and his bros were in a room and he was like you know what I'm gonna play really fucking fast <laughs> <laughs> The song Gung Ho is called Gung Ho for a fucking reason. Right, like, you know. The whole point is they were fucking on it. They were yeah. saying, like, you know, we're not, it's this thing, and we laugh about it, but you know the guys nowadays with the technique, perfect technique, and they can play, you know, so fast and so relaxed, and they're playing, you know, like with a double kick thing, whatever. Charlie was there and was saying, this is fast as I can play right now. Like, hard, proper, like, and yeah, the rest of the bros were like, fucking yeah, let's play it at, like, you know, as fast as we can. And fucking make it mean something. Yeah. When and it changed, you know. So now, when you're a thrash band, you're not playing as fast as you can or whatever. It, your motivation is completely contrived and totally different because yeah, you're maybe, saying yeah. what we're doing now is we're using all of the the tools that someone else used in the '80s to express something. But they weren't doing that. They didn't have limits. What they were doing was saying, let's do something new that's exciting. Pushing the envelope. Yeah. yeah. Like you said. And no yeah. one knew how it should sound no. or where it was going. Well, that was what the they whole... were doing yeah. in, in some ways. Absolutely. Yes. Well, Absolutely. That's the music. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then, well you, and that's reflected in, funnily enough, what we, going back to what we were saying earlier about shitty production. Yeah. Um, well, actually, we were saying that before we press record, but um, it, it's like we, we, like we were... You know, like you said, we, we we were recording, and people who were recording our music were going, "What the fuck do we do with this?" Because I mean, that's why early thrash records sound shit. It's because the people recording them are going, "Because this Didn't has never happened before." Didn't have a clue. Yeah, exactly. That's why there's reverb all over Hello Waits, and there's no reverb on Rain in Blood. It's yeah. like, yes, you need. Yeah, by then it was like, no, thrash needs to be dry. You can't use heavy metal production techniques took, and use took, them on thrash because it'll sound shit Alex you know? it took Alex Perialis it took Rick Rubin you know these people to actually yeah, yeah. make it what it became Who's who was the who was the German producer of the day it was Randy Burns as well he did a few classics who was the German guy oh, he did noise yeah he did loads stuff. of noise stuff he did uh, early Halloween Oh, I want to say hands, but maybe that's just casually racist. Hands, yeah. Old school. <laughs> yeah, I'm Hans the producer. Um, oh, God, who was it? Was it Michael Wagner? No, that, no, he was in no, Halloween, he was wasn't in, he? He was in um, Accept, wasn't he? Oh, fuck, yeah. Harris Johns, Harris Johns. Harris Johns did um, Dimension Hatros. Oh, wow. And a, and a few, yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, you know, wow. 
Well, look, guys, before we disappear down uh, another alleyway where we go back to the 80s again, um, it's been about an hour and a half, so we'll call that part one and we'll come back here and do it and do it all again. Sounds great. Yeah? Because I think we've got a lot more to discuss. Howard, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks very much for having us. No, not at all. Absolute, Absolute pleasure. pleasure. Thank you very much, guys. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks a lot. And that was my chat with Akakoki, which I hope, uh, Akakoka, which I hope you all enjoyed. And I'm not going to go on and on about how good it was because um, it was obvious how much I was, well, we were, we were all enjoying ourselves. And um, hopefully you enjoyed yourselves too, listening to it. So this is uh, coming towards the end of the podcast now. Um, just a couple of things I wanted to mention. Um, Lamb of God used to be called Burn the Priest. And they are coming back as Burn the Priest and doing a uh, punk cover, uh, punk covers album. Excuse me. There's a uh, there's an agnostic front track on there. There's also going to be a um, an accused cover, which is out and you can listen to, which is awesome. Um, and I'm really enjoying it. I, I read an interview with um, with Dave Blythe, or you know Randy Bly, as many people call him, but Dave Blythe to me. And um, he said that he actually uh, that Blaine Cook of the Accused uh, was a bit of a vocal influence on him. And I realised I, I kind of picked that up then. Although I do like Blaine's vocals, not so much um, Dave's or Randy's. Um, uh, what else has been going on? Uh, the new Suicidal uh, EP. The new Suicidal Tendencies EP. Um, awful. Um, absolutely horrendous. Tragic. Sounds like they've recorded some rehearsal jams. It is terrible. Ten tracks on it. Four or maybe even five of which are the same song, different versions. Um, just, yeah, just be warned. Be fucking warned. That's your warning. You have been warned. Some warning has taken place. Um, and what else? Oh, yes, of course. Good old Gene Simmons, eh? <laughs> Brilliant. Gene began personally delivering copies of his new box set, Gene Simmons, The Vault Experience, 1966 to 2016 in January. Let's just examine that opening statement, shall we? Right? Gene began personally delivering copies. He sounds like fucking Santa. Do you know what I mean? He's not got round everybody yet. He's, 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 got, he's got a sack full of joy. And uh, he's going to be delivering that. Um... And uh, the Gene, Simmons, Gene Simmons' The Vault Experience 1966 to 2016 is a comprehensive box set of Gene's solo material that comes packed in a safe. The set includes 150 previously unreleased songs spread over 10 discs, a leather-bound photo book, a Gene Simmons action figure, and an In, God, in Gene We Trust gold medallion and a surprise item. Yep, I bet the surprise item isn't any decent music. I just... I'm just... Just picturing the, um, I'm just picturing the, you can, can't you? You can picture the meeting with the marketing guys, you know, gone round to Gene's house. So, Gene, um, the Vault Experience, we've finally settled on the name. Not the Vault, the Vault Experience. We're going to create an experience. Okay, so uh, what are your ideas for putting this together? Uh, well, guys, uh, you know, I, uh, I was thinking maybe uh, put it in a safe, you know, make it look really... Make it look, make it look really important, you know. In fact, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do the action, but make make it make make it look really important, yeah. So I put it in a safe, right? Um, and um, and how about uh, okay, all right, okay. We're gonna we're gonna have it in a safe, Gene. You're gonna put it in a safe, fine. Um, now there's 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 150 previously unreleased songs on over ten discs, yeah. We've got that. So you've got your 150 
so shit songs that nobody wanted to put them out before now. They basically weren't enough even to get on a shitty solo album of yours. There, so there's 150 slices of shit spread across 10 shitty discs. Okay? And then there's... And, and, and you want... Yeah, yeah, I want... I want um, I'm thinking... I'm thinking a photo book of of me, right? Of everybody's favourite badly drawn toy gorilla, right? And and me, you know, in all my leather gear, and then bind up that book in leather. Yeah. Oh right, I get it, Gene. Yeah, leather in leather. Yeah, you see, guys, pictures of me in leather. In leather. You see where I'm coming from? Wow, Gene, that's that's fucking genius. So right, we've got your we've got the safe, right? The lucky people won't be able to crack the combination, but let's leave that out, right? You've got the safe, you've got 150 shit songs, your ten discs of shit, a book of pictures of you wearing leather, wrapped in leather. Okay. What what else are you thinking? Well, I was thinking an action figure of me. You know, guys? Wow. Yeah, right. Uh, okay, don't, don't really know what to say about that. Uh, yeah, all right. We, yeah, we can work it out. Well, this is getting better and better. It's the, it's got it, the, the safe uh, with any luck, no compilation, but they've got the safe, got 150 shit songs, 10 discs of shit, a book of you wearing leather, wrapped in leather, an action figure of you. Um, what else can you think of? Well, guys, you know what? Everyone loves a medallion, don't they? Don't they, though? You know, a nice big gold medallion on a chain that they can let just dangle in their very fashionable chest hair. What do you think, guys? I think that's a winner. Yeah, absolutely, Gene. Whatever you say, you're paying. Um, but no, but seriously, you know, so let's go back over it again. We've got the, we've got the safe... We've got the 150, we've got the, we've got the safe, we've got the 10 discs of shit, we've got the pictures of you in leather, in leather, wrapped in leather, we've got the uh, action figure of you, and now an in-gene-we-trust gold medallion. Oh, hang on, you said gold medallion, didn't you? I've just thrown that in there, in-gene-we-trust, I don't know where I came up. Hey, hey, I can I see why you guys are so expensive now. Hey, hey, this is what I pay you for. Yeah, a gold medallion with... In Gene, which I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Okay, yeah. People are going to love that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, do that. Right, okay. So we've got the safe, hopefully with no combination. We've got the 10 discs of shit. We've got the pictures of you in leather, wrapped in leather. We've got the Indra. We've got the action figure of you. We've got the In, G- in Gene, we trust, gold medallion. And what else? Um, a surprise item, guys. I've, I've got to go off and be very powerful and very good looking elsewhere right now. You could, there's only so much genius. <laughs> there's so much so gene, gene, genius, gene, genius. You see what I did there, guy? Yes, yeah, we, we, we did see that there, gene. See, there's only so much genius to go. I've got, I've got to go. See you later. You can just imagine that, can't you? You can just imagine that as a fucking... You can just imagine that as the marketing meeting with Gene Simmons about the Gene Simmons vault box set. Fuck me. Anyway, that's enough Gene for one uh, for one episode. Look, guys, it's always a pleasure. It is never a chore. Um, I love being in 
your ears. Really enjoy doing this. Want to do more, not less. Please support me at Patreon if you can. If you can afford £3.80 a month, $5 a month, that would be awesome. Tell everybody, spread the word, do some reviews, all the rest of it. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. It really has. Um, and I, I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you haven't, well, you know, you got this far. So what are you, some kind of fucking idiot? You got time to waste here? Um, look, I hope, to, I, I hope to see you next month. I will see you next month. I'll see some of you very soon, hopefully um, up in Glasgow. And I will be talking to you all again next month. And for now, I will leave you with some more Akakoka. And this is a track called Disappear. See you next month, guys.